How do? It's Old New Borrowed Who, the meandering biography slash report podcast featuring two washed up cow joshes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the noise a cow, cow makes. That was, that was the worst mm-hmm. cow I've ever. <laughs> the cow that you want to put a bolt gun to. Hi, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, <laughs> welcome to um, episode 11B or. Volume, volume two. two, yeah, volume two of our Quentin Tarantino deep dive. Ooh, it's been a it's been a long one, hasn't it? It has been. Far. Yeah, um, we were planning on doing both of them back to back, but we did we, the last we, one pretty we, hungover. So, and we're doing this one pretty hungover. So, yeah, we we have a problem, but it's fine. <laughs> um, it's it's not gratuitous violence towards women, so we're not Tarantino, so it's okay. We're not Polanski, so. That's a different sort of violence, that. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're, we, we're neither of those. Um, hello, welcome back. Hopefully you listened to our previous episode. If you haven't, suggest you go back and listen to it. You can obviously listen to it on Spotify and Podbean. and Recently. Uh, and now you'll be able to listen to it on iTunes. On iTunes. Or I think Podcasts, it's isn't it? Apple it's Podcasts, because yeah. they've got their own little app. But we've well, they just split up iTunes. Yeah, they have. And they've, uh, like, videos are separate, films are all... <laughs> I, I don't know. You're you're the Apple person. I'm the Apple person, but my my investment in the Apple ecosystem in that capacity is minimal. I don't yes. use iTunes really. But if you like us, please rate us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're in it. We're now on there. Um, so more ways for you to listen to us. Obviously, more ways for you to share. But yeah, go back, listen to the last episode. Um, unless you don't like his earlier work, you don't care that much. You're just more interested in stuff yeah, from 2004 onwards. Tarantino stuff. Yeah, that brings us yeah where we are. Yeah, two thousand and four, the the oh, year yeah. of what happened in two thousand and four. Not a lot. I mean, you said it was the worst year for films. I've I've previously gone on record, and then you said two thousand and six years for films. And then we had a whole argument about. We it. did. Which one? Which one did we work out was worse? Um, I you said two thousand and six, and then I gave a huge list of films that were good in two thousand and six. Yeah. I also gave you some good films in two thousand and four. I just think you like to complain. I just think, that, well, I think that it, those those were the years, as I've said previous, where I'd I'd end up on like Sky Movies and just watch yeah. whatever was on, and so I I my experience of the two thousand and four. Yeah, but during this was, e- during this era, you were watching The Pacifier and The Day After Tomorrow for the fifteenth time. That wasn't me. Oh, is that not you? No, The Day After Tomorrow for however many times Darren, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's that is Darren. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't met us before, um, my name's Josh Hooten. I'm the person with horrible bags under his eyes and... Oh, and I'm Josh Jones and I have horrible bags over my eyes. He does. I don't know what he's done here. He's decided to come in as some sort of Mysterio knockoff. (laughs) I'm not famous anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why you've gone for plastic rather than paper. It was a poor choice. It depends on what your end goal is, I suppose. But yes... um, we're going to dive into it now. Um, who's so? As I said, listen to the last episode, or just jump in here. So we'll jump into 2004 um, with me continuing my report as this is going over two episodes. <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! So 2004. Um, obviously, we've just talked about Roman Polanski and um, him saying she was asking for it and then apologising for it all because you can't say that about a 13-year-old girl who um, gets raped. Um, so yeah, 2004 comes around. So in 2004, um, he actually then start. He served as the Cannes Festival 
uh, sort of head presence of the jury. So he, at this point, obviously, he was getting the recognition he deserved for his films. Yeah. He was actually getting there and being able to deliver his own verdict on ah. what he thought was the most important film, what the best film. Um, and Kill Bill was not actually in competition at that time, although they hadn't even screening. It wasn't in competition for for any of the grand jury prize. Well, he wouldn't have been able to vote, would he? Anyway. Well, he wouldn't be able to vote for himself, no. So um, that would be the reason why. I think I think it's smart to have someone like Tarantino on a panel mm. for judging because, as you said, or as we said in the last episode, he's got such an extensive yeah knowledge of everything to do with film. I mean, I think it's I think it's yeah a lot of knowledge, but I think he's quite eclectic in mm. his, his viewings. Yeah. So I mean, he, he's a big aware of the whole cult films and the big sort of pulpy. And the kung fu, and that's he's got he's got a genres that he really likes, but I think if you ask him to critique rom coms on their history, he probably just assuming I, it, maybe he knocks back with a bottle of wine each night, watches some I don't know Ugly Truth, <laughs> some Catherine Heigl and some Gerard Butler. That that's an image, isn't it? It's yeah. Tarantino, his his uh, wife sat there. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine it with the ugly truth but yeah um, so yeah that was in 2004 not a lot happened in 2004 obviously this was just after the whole um, Kill Bill so he mm-hmm. worked quite hard on those and they'd come out year after year um, 2005 then comes around where he appears as a special guest director in a film ah I know this one oh yeah I could tell you're very excited when he worked it out yeah it's um, Sin City yes. uh, with his best friend Robert Rodriguez who obviously directed him in From Dust Till Dawn and they've done a lot of collab pr- products yeah and there was one prior to that wasn't there that he, he also yeah he also uh, Desperado, Desperado um, there's a few it. others yeah um, they just seem to have worked together on a lot of mm. things um, but yeah Sin City so we're not going to talk a lot about it um, I love Sin City yeah. I think it's a really interesting bit and you can tell the bit that is Tarantino in this film. Yeah, he gets. A, it's not like he was co-directing or assistant director. He he gets. He was just let loose on one scene. Wasn't on he? one scene, and it is in a film that is fairly noiry and gritty, which feels quite Tarantino-esque in that way. Um, it's the it's the use of shots and the dialogue that you see in these couple of scenes. Well, this long drawn-out scene with um, Clive Owen and Benicio del Toro, mm. um, the trunk shot. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, and sort of the gratuitous, almost like gratuitous sort of violence that is that is him. But then the the internal monologue that people have constantly as they're doing these despicable yeah. acts, essentially. It was very Tarantino. Really good. Um, I really like this film in in general. Not so fast on the second one. The second one's okay. Not as good as the first one. Which was this? Was this uh, one a Dame one? to Kill for? Oh, Eva Green, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it's just, it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't, ha- it yeah, didn't capture it the same the magic. Yeah. It was like when they did The Spirit, where they gave uh, Stanley a chance to uh, direct, mm. again, in a sort of similar sort of style, and it just didn't quite mm. resonate. So yeah, that was 2004. Um, again, not a lot to, to talk about. He's At this point, he's busy working um, on a couple of projects that do come out. He does like a couple of things. So he did something for CSI, mm-hmm. um, just like an episode here and there. He's done a little bits, little bits here and there, but he's obviously working on other projects. Um, obviously from working with Robert Rodriguez on Sin City, he then collabed on his next film, which was Death Proof, part of the Grindhouse cinema experience. Yes. And we were just, yeah, we've just been discussing this. I, I have not seen Death Proof. No, um, it's, so it was a mix up between, uh, well, it was 
Death Proof with an interval, then Planet Terror. Um, and they also made like their own fake um, commercials in this, leading up oh, to did it. They it? Really? Yeah, and one of them was Machete, oh, which yeah, then turned yeah, into an actual film with Danny Trejo. So they, mm. they got actual actors in to do these pretend like pulp so films. Was, right. Was Machete not also the uncle from Spy Kids? Not Danny Trejo, yeah. No, I mean, as in the character in Spy Kids is also called Machete. It might be. It wouldn't surprise me because Robert Rodriguez did Spy Kids. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's like a. It is. It's like it wouldn't a spin off from Spy Kids. Just like a little nod. It, yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't. It wouldn't wholly shock me if somehow the Tarantino universe is linked some way to the Rodriguez universe as well, and they all sort of overlap because of the way they work. Or the Rodriguez is actually a full universe rather than just like separate films. Yeah. Which, yeah, I would. I believe that. Although which... Danny throws a lot of people in that universe. If yeah, that's but the case. then you watch. You watch. Um, Oh, from Dustal Dawn, um, Cheech Marone was three characters in one film. Yeah. True. So, I mean, I think I think the idea there is that everyone looks the same. It doesn't matter. Just to, if I like them, they're going in the film as many times as they need to. Um, yeah, uh, we're not going to talk a lot about this film. It's probably considered one of his worst films. Um, just purely, like, the story is more lacking than the majority mm. of, of the films he does. It's... And also, it's talked humongously about the amount of feet shots in it. It's like the foot shot is constantly, it's like 70% of the film is, is fit shots of feet. And it's a lot of violence. It's Kurt Russell, though. Yeah. And I love Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, he does very thing, few things wrong. This is sort of, again, get Kurt Russell back into films. It's like Tarantino's work is to just get actors who were great and in loads of things. You sort of just drop off the map. He goes, hey, come back, come back yeah. and act for me, come back and act for me. And they're like, <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, yeah, it's it's all right. Planet Terror was more fun, which was the Rodriguez one. Like, there's a woman there who has a leg, which is a machine gun, um, which is where you get oh, from... Oh, yeah, I think from, I've seen bits of that. Which was where you get the Broforce character from. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 interesting. So, obviously, when it came out in the cinemas, they, were, they didn't do it much in the UK. They did them as separate films. But there were a lot. Of, they did a lot of drive-ins in America. They did the grindhouse experience where you drive in, you'd see mm. it all pull up, and you'd watch it mm. with the interval, and then you see the second film, which is the way that old sort of grindhouse pictures were done, um, which is what they wanted to do. They wanted to do like a little love note to that. Yeah, and that's the reason why it is the way it is. It's meant to be campy. It's meant to be less serious. It's meant to be old school. That, um, yeah, and and that's why he's done it. And it's, I think it's a really good homage and nod to what that cinema was, rather than yeah. oh, this is Tarantino, who's not done as well. So I like it for its own reasons, even if it's considered one. Of, well, if you look at if you look at the ratings, it's considered the worst one, just to, mm. or just on an aggregate sort of viewing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But is it one that you've got plans to watch, or you just? Yeah, I'd it? like to. I mean, it's the it is the only Tarantino I haven't. So, so you feel like you need to at some point? Yeah, I feel like it's. Um, I need to pass my own judgment on it. Yeah, it was. Because it, what it was originally, it was meant to um, be like a take on a 1970s slashes film, so similar to like The Hitcher mm. and things like that. And it sort of evolved a bit past past that, which is a bit of a shame. But I I I, I still enjoyed it. Still yeah. enjoyed it. It's it's, it's it's shorter than the majority of the films as well. So if you don't enjoy it, you don't have to not enjoy it for as long. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way you want to describe is it. Is it? Yeah. Is it? How much shorter is it? I think is it's under, I think it's under two hours. Oh, okay. So if it's under That's two still hours, quite it's short. Imagine going to the grindhouse for that. I think it's like an hour and forty. If I'm just taking a random guess now, I'm going to try and. F- but if that's the case, out. that would be that would have been a very long 
film? Um, As in the lot with Death Proof and Planet Terror. 113 minutes, so it's just under two hours. Two hours, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then his other films are... As 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 directors go, he's pretty consistent with the long ones, isn't he? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, if you look at um, uh, when he was on the Cannes Festival, the Grand Jury, mm. they did screen Kill Bill Volume Two, mm. but they did the full version of screen- Kill Bill Volume Two, so they did a full three-hour run of the second half of the film there nice. as well. So it's he loves he loves a long film. I mean, it's... I think it's fair. It's like telling a story. You know, you, you're gonna you get more in, you get more depth if you do. Yeah. I mean, when they because when they put it together, Grindhouse together, did them both back to back. They didn't show the full film, so they did cuts of it. Mm. So it was, it was shorter. It was it still ran for like a hundred and ninety minutes. Yeah, hundred ninety one minutes. So, so it wasn't as long, hours, but it's about hours, three hours. So you're getting about an hour and a half on both films with a break in between. So that's that's more doable. Really, that sounds really cool. I'd, ra- I'd I think I'd rather watch that than watch them separately. Yeah, I think that's the way. To, I, in my mind, that's the way to watch it because I think that's the way it was meant to be done. Mm. I know he likes his big expanded editions, which is the new film that he's done this time. Mm. I'm excited for because apparently they're going to be releasing something on Netflix where it's the full four hour cut that he wanted it to be. But that's the sort nice. of way he works. Um, yes. So obviously, after this, we're just going to move through. He then goes. He finally gets to do the film that he's always wanted to do. Which film was this? This is in 2009. We've already talked about this film on a previous podcast. Mm. Um, so he then released Inglorious Bastards. He did. Which... We have, we, yeah, we spoke about it in our Michael Fassbender episode. So yeah. We spoke about Michael you, Fassbender. We will, we will highlight it if you want a more in-depth look at it, I guess. I yeah. Mean, we, we, we spoke about that for about 20 minutes on that one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. R- roughly around there. It was, um, yeah, so it was episode... I can't even remember four? that. Five, four, five? Four. Somewhere around yeah. that. It's one that says Michael Fassbender on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, With yeah. a lovely illustration. Oh, God. That, probably my worst illustration, I think, for Michael Fassbender. He's, he's an odd one to draw. They're all terrible, to be <laughs> honest. They're all meant to be bad, so give myself 10 minutes on him. But yeah, he, this was sort of the follow-on to Death Proof, and it was, a lot of people, I think, were concerned... Because they were worried that there was a decline in what Tarantino's films were mm. going to be with, with what Death Proof yeah. was, rather than realising what Death Proof was meant to be. Mm. Which is a shame, but I guess understandable. I, if, you, if you've if expected this sort of high level from him, and then you've gone to this film which is a different, because it's an homage to a different yeah. style of film, then you don't you don't know what's going on. Some people argue... But this, but this, this one was back to Tarantino, yeah. wasn't it? It was, and I mean, we talked about it before, we're not going to do a lot on this one, but it was um, his highest grossing film when it came out, uh, with like 321 million, which is, it's not a huge amount by modern standards, but it's still a a success, Um, but it was considered, as he said, it was going to be his masterpiece, wasn't Mm. it? Um, I don't know if I agree that it's his masterpiece, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I wouldn't... and it it's, could... I think, I mean, we'll uh, we'll upload our lists at some point of Tarantino. Well, that will come out. Well, actually, the, the our top ten list will come out when we do this this podcast. Yeah, we'll release. Yeah, it we'll release it at the same cool. time. Um, um, but yeah, I, it's. I think it's it's top middle for me. Maybe Mid, it's middling. Isn't it, isn't it, it's in the top ten of the nine films he's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I think it's middling. But... but if you want to hear more about it, obviously jump back to that Fastbender episode. Um, 
as we said, Christoph Waltz steals the show. Mm-hmm. The opening scene is amazing. The scene... was a new actor, and even though you, as you were saying just now about how he likes to bring old actors back, he he found Christoph Waltz, and yeah, now we, I mean, he's just been Blofeld in Bond and everything. Like he's 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 in everything yeah. now as well, and he's um, in a really nice four-hander. Um, with John C. Riley and I can't remember who else. It's about parents who meet together. Ah, oh, yeah, that's um, it's based on a show. That it's based, on, it's a, based on, on a play, and yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I want to say Closer, but it's not called Closer. Um, it's um, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but that is very good. <laughs> um, he, yeah, it's one of it's one of my favourite performances he does with the two angry sort of parents, uh, sets of parents blaming the other ones for the issue. Um, he wasn't brand new. He was he had been acting in little pieces, but it was like his big breakthrough i suppose mm. is the way to look at it um carnage that's the one came out two years later um directed funnily enough by roman polanski interesting i know as we've just gone through all the roman polanski things because obviously he still gets to work um <laughs> after what he's done but yes so we'll, we'll we'll go we'll go gloss past that because um we've already discussed this film um and we're just going to try and get onto the reviews that We've we've rewatched. Um, so obviously, following this in two thousand and nine, um, he also for that he received a second nomination for best director mm. and best original screenplay. Um, he didn't win either though. No, that was Django two thousand two thousand nine. That one. Oh, sorry. No, wait. What are you saying? He won. He. Or he oh, was, sorry. He was nominated for but in Glorious Bastards or. No, I've jumped. Sorry, I've jumped in my report. Um, no, no, it was that one. He was, um, yeah, he got his second nomination for Best Director. And... For Inglourious Bastards. For Inglourious Bastards yeah, and Best so, Original Screenplay. So that, what, what year was that? That was 2009. 2009 Oscars. it came out. So... Also 2010 Oscars. Yes, the 2010 ones. Who won that? Oh, that's, a, that's a question that I would not be able to tell you off the top of my head for that. I can't even think. No, I wouldn't. I don't really know. So, 2010... Um, we'll move into this mm. point. This is where we're going to talk a bit more about films in detail. Yeah. Now, because uh, these are the reviews that we're ready to do. Um, so in 2010, he started production on um, Django Unchained, a film mm. that a lot of people um, highly rate. Um, it was meant to be the desire to produce a spaghetti western and yeah. set in the Deep South. Um, I don't think it... I don't know if it was really... It was sort of Spaghetti Western, wasn't it? In... I'd absolutely say it was. I I think... And this... And this is this is a great thing about doing this podcast with you, Josh. Yes. We have similar opinions on enough things, but I think we, we differ enough as well, and I think this is absolutely one of the films that we uh, differ on. 2010 was the year that Avatar came out. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and Hurt Locker and all that sort of thing, so it just took a load of... Um, but yeah, you Django Unchained. What are your what are your thoughts on oh, the film? Oh, I haven't even got to that yet. But oh. um, I was. But we can talk about it now because we're going to talk about it anyway. Basically, he wanted to do a spaghetti western. Mm. Um, if you've seen it, it's we'll, we'll go into the plots. Um, but the big thing about it before it started, it was meant to be Will Smith in the role, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't like it because he didn't feel like he was the lead in it even though it's Django Unchained mm. and he'd been playing the part of Django so Jamie Foxx got it I think he went off and did a Men in Black film instead Men in Black 3 why would you do that who knows money 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 um, but yeah Django so this is strange one because I really like I like westerns I really enjoy a good western I like good written dialogue mm-hmm. 
there's just something about Django that doesn't quite resonate with me. I, I, I often find myself forgetting bits have happened. It's, most Tarantino films, I could pretty much tell you, this is the order things happen. This goes, Even things like Pulp Fiction, where it is broken up and it's totally. out of order entirely. This one, I find myself missing parts, going through it. I've seen it two to three times, and I just... It's something with it that doesn't I, quite... There. The scenes I really love in this film. I really love certain scenes. Mm. But it doesn't know when to end either, which I also think is the problem. Now, this is, I think this is my... After Pulp Fiction, this is my second most watched... Like, okay. rewatched film of his. I think I've watched it six... Just shy of ten times. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah... Sorry, I was just trying to make you move your oh. mic in a little bit further because you were going quite quiet my there. Um, so, my mic, my mic. Yeah, because um, you wanted to cough earlier as so you moved it away and forgot to put it back. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Some of the magic ruin there for you, but oh, that might be why Josh shit. was a little quiet for a while then. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's one of my most um, rewatched films of his and I really like it. I think it's got... As you said, it's, it's a Western, it's fun, but then it's also got some great dialogue it's got some re- really good characters i thought like i mean they oh, he always yeah. has he always has good characters leonardo dicaprio is fabulous in it christoph yeah. waltz again knocks out of the park and jamie fox i think is he's good. really uh, good and i love the fact that he's brought walter goggins in because i think walter goggins is one of those actors who just doesn't get enough Jones notoriety he's also oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um he's just one of those guys who's in a lot of things normally mm. little bit parts but whenever he's in he was also i think in uh, the most recent tomb raider as the villain yes he is yeah um but i actually like it when he shows up all wally goggs because <laughs> that's what his nickname is apparently is it really? yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what he goes but by. yeah he he and he's yeah he's good it's it's a long film and i understand what you were saying about how it sort of ends but doesn't end. Mm-hmm. There is there is a point where you feel like it could cut off, but there are still unresolved issues that get resolved. And I think I don't know. I re, I I like that it goes back. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, the thing I think is weird is because most Tarantino films are left sort of open ended. You don't get always. You don't always get the resolution. You don't see mm. certain points, which is why I almost feel like. The idea that when Christoph Waltz's character is gone, mm. that's the ideal ending because you've got that sort of, oh, what will Django do now? But mm. then we'll build into the next part. There's lots of points where I'm just like, oh, we could stop it there. And you sort of got that questioning afterwards. Yeah. And I just feel this, not saying it didn't, I still feel it had a good ending and it, I yeah, really enjoyed I, it. I like the end of this one. But it's just, I feel like there was something. It's just, it's just one of those films. It's, it happens to everyone, doesn't it? You watch a film, you think you should really like it, and it just doesn't quite doesn't quite click, doesn't quite work mm. with you. And it's, it's for no reason, no fault with the film. I mean, if I'm looking at the cinematography of this film, it is brilliant. It is beautiful. I love the cinematography yeah. in it. It's, you can't, you can't fault it. The performances, amazing. The dialogue, brilliant. The story g- is good as well. Well, I mean, it is obviously great because it won um, the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay mm. that year. So obviously fairly good. But, but you for just me, didn't. it just didn't, it didn't click for me. And it's, it's strange because you can put, any old western on mm. and some of them are really tired and dry and mm. look, I really enjoy it I don't know what it was about this film I, I really like so was it that it wasn't dry enough there was too much is it or I don't know I don't think that because I mean I mean we're going to talk about Hateful Eight in a bit but like I really enjoyed that and that potentially is a drier sort of but I'd say that Hateful Eight 
and over jumping is is more of a combination of reservoir dogs and Django with far more reservoir dogs in it than Django, which you like. Maybe what I have with this is it's although it's homaging to certain aspects of Western, it mm. doesn't shake it up in any way. I think it's a good. I think it's a modern Western. It's it is. It's an homage. It's not a. It. It. I think it wasn't. I don't know. It was, you're saying it was. I don't think it was sold as a spaghetti Western. It was sold as a spaghetti Western influenced film. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, but like, if I'm thinking of like modern, modern westerns now, I'm thinking of things like Bone Tomahawk. I'm thinking of Slow West. Things like which again the remakes count. Like which ones are you talking about? Like True Grit. That I would still class as not Maybe really a modern because it's still an old one. I guess I wouldn't. I don't know if I class that as a modern western either. Although it is, they've modernized the western thing, and it doesn't mm. really feel. I quite like the western. New, Do you? I know I'm going off. The we new are, Magnificent yeah. Seven. I, I quite enjoyed it. Hmm. I, I, it wasn't that I had a problem with, with that as well. It's just there's certain characters I just didn't fully like in, in the Magnificent Seven. But then I didn't it's like a remake the of a remake. That's yeah. Well, the remake of Seven Samurai, isn't it? Hmm. So, <laughs> which is a, also a remake because they had the original Seven Samurai, then they remade the Seven <laughs> Samurai, and then got the Magnificent Seven. Um, well off topic. So yeah, Django. Do you want to just give a plot of what happens to Django? Django is about a slave who is bought by a um by Christoph Waltz by Christoph Waltz a slave called Django who's bought played by Joe Fox bought by Christoph Waltz who is a bounty hunter in the old west because you were allowed to kill people and take money for it in those days if if it was I thought I think it's quite I think it was quite well, like a, a bounty hunter clever way of doing it yeah being a bounty hunter I think it's like it's a good way of Shifting the police work, isn't it? It is, and I mean, the only problem is that it can lead to further lawlessness, I suppose, and also... Yeah, but the bounty hunters were quite... I think there's... Bounty hunters generally were did abide by the law because they relied on the law to, for yeah, their they, work, Yeah, there was a level of respect, I think. Mm. I think it's the same with... I mean, but you could look at like, the mob and stuff like that, although mm. they're saying, but they've got certain lines they won't cross mm. as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that idea. But, um, yeah, so Django worked for some people who... Uh, the bounty hunter is looking for so he is bought and then in doing this he sort of trains Django to become a bounty hunter and along the way they end up um, looking for Django's wife who was sold to another plantation Um, they start yeah as I said training Django and he he's uh, there's a bit where Christoph Waltz exclaims that he's a natural um they have a run-in with the Ku Klux Klan which involves Jonah Hill which is great and Channing Tatum isn't it no I don't think so was it I thought he was in there as well yeah but I might be wrong um yeah so that was that bit's interesting (laughs) yes it's um yeah it's it's a bit weird it's weird and wonderful this film there are such good moments like that you you the film sort of takes takes a step back from the plot to have these moments with these characters that are just they almost feel real but they're so they're caricature yeah they're caricatures of what it was at the time but then where does the caricature come from and mm. it's there's some truth in it and it's also you gotta think there isn't 
everyone's got their own I think life was very much larger than life there in its own way although everyone acts like back in that sort of time oh everyone's a bit more meek more mannered they mm. are like, they don't have these forms of other mm. like, entertainment when something goes wrong everyone does scream <laughs> and go to the hills like what's happening here why mm. is this the case oh there's someone being hung let's all scream and run up here mm. they just they, they react in a bigger way I think people have obviously become a lot more closed off you notice people don't laugh out to be loud. fair if I saw a man hanged around the corner I'd probably run to it <laughs> alright Logan <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be a Logan Paul not a not a <laughs> reference to Wolverine because I don't know why he would do that but it was um, but you know what I mean like things like out there it's like that you see things where people laugh mm. uproar, like raucously mm. at something mm. like you like it's an idiot sort of thing, but you wouldn't have that nowadays in in the streets. People yeah. have, have that sort of they think they need to be decorum, and that's why what's there. Yeah. It didn't really matter. You were what you said you were, and you just led yourself on your sleeve because you didn't have a social profile to lead through. Yeah. So I think it's got that more interesting. Bit. I, I just think so, I think it's a real interesting time in history as well. So it's a really it is, and obviously the 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 crux of it is is this slave slavery in America is rife at this point. And they go to the after training him up. They just they they work out where his wife's been, mm-hmm. and they go to the Candyland plantation. Yes, <laughs> run by Mr. Candy, um, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and he is terrifying. DiCaprio, yeah, he's so... a nasty piece of work in this, and charming in his own <clears throat> sort of <throat> way. Yeah, he's a real sort of conniving on the edge sort of guy yeah mm. he's, he's he's good he, I, I really like this performance there's a reason why everyone thought he was going to win for this performance mm. he didn't though no I know which is a shame I mean everyone talks about the one scene that he does where he smashes the glass on the table yeah, and then the blood runs out and it actually happened because yeah. it was a mistake he just kept going through it which oh, you got to give it to that and I mean it was a phenomenal performance from him yeah it's great I love the the introduction of him is where you, he's watching the Mandingo fight isn't it Yes, it is, yeah. And it's, oh, Christ. All of that bit is horrible with the dogs. Oh, it's, and... real, it's real rough. Really real, rough. Really rough. <laughs> sort of, yeah, I didn't like that scene. No. Um, but you're not meant it is, to. It, no, it is. It's a hard watch. But, as you can imagine, it's a Tarantino. There's been killing throughout, but you, you end up with an absolute gore fest, don't you? Oh, you do. And... This is part of what um, I'm going to go slightly off with this because there was a whole thing um, in response to this film. Um, mm. I don't know if you were aware of it. You know the whole Sandy Hook situation. Oh yeah, because um, obviously it's all about gun violence. They were saying that. Um, well, this was promoting it. They, well, Tarantino has always said that he doesn't believe violence in movies inspires acts of violence in real no. life. That's what he's basically said. Yeah. Um, the NRA chief executive accused um, Tarantino of being insensitive to the event. Um, which he then said he was annoyed by this, and he said there was no suggestion between the two. You think, and what his, his quote is, I think it's disrespectful to the memory of those who died to talk about movies. Obviously, the issue is gun control and mental health. Soon after, in response, um, basically, they did a PSA sort of thing, which pro-gun groups use scenes in Tarantino's films and Django Unchained to label celebrities as hypocrites for appearing in violent movies. So they've used this film as a standpoint of saying, look, you're hypocrites are saying that it's not movies that do it and you can't say guns are, are, are a problem we need to sort out if you're going to appear in films with guns. Yeah. Do you want to 
Do I get political? What's, do you you think, go for it. I don't, I do don't you, care. Do you think that that... Do you think the movies and media in general no, I don't cause think, violence? In my mind... I, or cause gun crime? I think media is different. I don't think movies and I don't think um, video games. I don't think... Um, I don't think many media forms which are meant to be observed and consumed on a temporary basis mm. cause that thing. It's not something that would cause that. It's no different to someone... Uh, I mean, wars and violence have been happening for years prior to mm. all this going on. The issue is, is... I mean, you can look at it from... It was what the president, the ex-president of uh, Nintendo put out that, that um, graphic where it was like video games um, sold by units and killings by yeah. by per capita and there was no correlation to no. the video games and that it's just the US is much higher than everyone else because they have such lenient gun laws i know it's part of their second amendment right and that's what they believe but by the saying that you have the right to bear arms you don't have the right if you are capable and you are able to then you should be allowed you you can do i i don't see an issue with people having guns I just think there should be cl- cleaner controls on what people are mm. doing. I mean, there's, you don't need a fully automatic weapon to do any hunting. So what, if, what if what if a herd of 350 pigs comes at you? Well, jump. <laughs> just jump and ride them. I Honestly, I think it's... It, and what he said there is it's to do with mental health. If they want to do to blame anything, it's the lack of funding that goes into the healthcare mm. systems, and that will cause situations like this to arise and i think it's disgusting to blame anything else rather than look at the people who aren't funding you to be in the position of power and blame them instead yeah have you got anything else to say there no i basically... I, no, I, t- I totally agree i was just wondering what what your thoughts were i mean i know my like you know whole, yours all right thanks the whole the whole video games cause violence is a it's such crap and i like I and I think a lot of it is that it all that point no no one of our generation is ever going to say video games cause violence it's mm. it's that fear of the unknown that came yeah. from the generations above us where they don't quite understand how this video game media is consumed because it wasn't around when they were young so they don't understand yeah. what they were never at the point where they received that influence whatever that influence may be from these video games so they yeah. don't they don't know how it sort of yeah. how the cogs turn in your head yeah and i get that it's, it's, i don't i do think media can cause situations mm. like this and that's through news networks news, yeah. that's through thing it's where you're inciting bias, hate. yeah you've got bias you're inciting hate against different people and it's a continual constant stream and there's no avoidance from it and you essentially become brainwashed it's it's very much that situation if they don't have the ability to buy the, the thing that's causing mm. the problem, then there's going to be less of a problem. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It, drugs are illegal, <laughs> and they kill people every day. Yeah. So do you want to keep the same one, or do you want to say everyone should have rights to everything? Do a bloody purge as they're planning on making it go to, and just work it out. It's it's, it's ridiculous. Gun guns as they always as a it's guns kill people. It's it, it, guns kill people because they've got idiots behind them. That's yeah, the reason. Yeah. People kill people with guns. Yeah. They're just a, they're an instrument. Mm. If someone wants to do damage and they can't get hold of a gun, they're gonna do it some other way. Yeah, that's the long and short of it. Get, should get rid of the guns, but if someone wants to cause someone harm, they will do. Yeah, but it's much easier to cause a lot of people harm very yeah. quickly yeah. with an automatic weapon. So it? what they really need is more access to free healthcare and more beneficials to the mental health, so that people can actually get the help that they need. Here, here, Josh. Um, but yes, there we go. Gun crime. 
But yeah, we've solved it. Solved it. There you go, guys. Um, We solved the issue. Fixed it. Um, But Django Unchained. So, as you said, what do you think of the film, then? So you really enjoyed it. There's certain scenes in here that I think are great. I mean, what you talked about earlier, him training to be a bounty hunter. Yeah. I love that little montage. montage. Yeah. The Tarantino montage. Yeah, the Tarantino montage. That one was good. Um, I think my favourite scene is the... I don't know. I love the Ku Klux Klan. It's real. Scene. It's real funny because of how inept they all are. Yeah, and that's uh, again, as you said, it's caricature, isn't it? It's people drunk on misinformation, mm. pure like bred on hate, mm. due to people in power giving them a message because they're higher up. They're the people with the money. They're going to believe them as well. Yeah, and it's the same things we just said about gun crime and media. So they, that <laughs> that seems good. I. I quite enjoy the the last scene where he goes back. Yes, yeah, I do like that. Although, as, I, as I've already said, I don't like the fact there's multiple, multiple endings. I like... When when the new scene happened, I was happy with it anyway. It's just... Mm. It seems like Lord of the Rings. I was like, oh, good, it's ended. Oh, no, we've got more. Brilliant, I love Lord of the Rings. I'll keep going with it. Oh, yeah. it's ended. Oh, no, there's another one. And it was very much... It felt... A little jumpy in that way. I, yeah, I remember watching it thinking that the be-all, end-all would have been the bit where Christoph Waltz is gone and then there's a mm. the bloodbath. Because that's a logical point to end. But I, I quite like that, as we saw with Kill Bill, there, even though one head of the snake, even if it was the biggest head in, as in Mr. Candy... Mm-hmm is gone. Yep. You still need to take all the heads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And that. Even though in Kill Bill, obviously, you're working towards killing Bill. Yeah. In this, you... you that's... The, he's gone, but then he goes, no, 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 I'm going to get yeah, everyone that, else. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, what is... And that's why there's the so many endings, because you're trying to work out what the storyline is for this film. Like, where does... What is the actual goal? Mm. And we've already got this preconceived notion. We know what the ending is, mm. which is why we expect that to be the ending. Mm. But in reality, yeah, Django, bad guy, bad guy's dead, good, gone. But Django's not got that because that's not where his line yeah. is. His line is elsewhere. Mm. So we've made we falsely assumed what he wants as his yeah. final final piece, and that's why it keeps going. Um, I do really like it. I mean, I like all of his films, so it's, it's hard for me to go. Oh, I don't really like this. I, I, I do like this film. I'm, I'm not saying I don't. In fact, you'll probably see on my top ten list. Although it doesn't resonate, I can. Sp- respect what it is as a film and I really enjoy it for that way which is the top, strange the top 10 list I think is going to be interesting when we come around to doing it because it is it is like it's like picking your favourite five pound note you know they're all five pound <laughs> notes it's all money but yeah it's just which money's prettier you know Fa- our favourite I know that's, I know that sounds like such a silly analogy I was just trying to think but it is it's, it's like picking your favourite gold piece you know there's a, there's a lot of good bits in this as well which are nods because he does he does a lot of things there because uh, it's like when uh, well it, go the, ahead um, Christoph Waltz's character himself is uh, on a gravestone in Kill Bill yeah there's so many callbacks to people I think um, you know the guy who's had the watch up his ass in Pulp Fiction mm. his family name 
in they mention him he's like on a newspaper as a colonel because they talk about how oh, yeah, it? there's loads of things that are throwbacks in these as well um, it's also bits like where Dr. Schultz put the dynamite on top of the wagon he's also whistling the Django theme song Oh, isn't he's he? walking around so there's little bits like this which are really really nice um, what I didn't know is uh, Jamie Foxx didn't have to learn to ride for this film didn't didn't no he's um he's quite, he already knew he's got it? his own horse his own horse is in the film he rides his own are horse are you serious that's his so- horse yeah that's so cool so Jamie Fox is honest like do you know what the horse is called though cool. the horse is called Cheetah nice because it's a fast horse nice but yeah he's um and Waltz Waltz wasn't as an accomplished rider though no no um there's there's rumour well he, he made a comment about um riding the horse wasn't dif- as difficult as what it was when I was falling off um, so he got injured during the filming because he fell off a horse <laughs> during no. the filming. It doesn't surprise me because, I mean, I think it was very much... It's very much... Um, but what... he rides in a cart for the most part. Yeah, but he rides. Uh, he briefly rides a horse and I think mm. that's... He falls off. He's not... Not, not, many, not many horses in um, mm. Austria, apparently. Um, but what I liked about this film and what I think is really good is Leonardo DiCaprio, the fact that he's playing a villain in it. Yeah. Because um, I've just gone back to check, and I think this is his first time he's played a, he played a villain um, since 1998. Titanic. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's only a little bit there, but 98 is the last time he was a villain in a film. Which character? And um, that was in the Man in the Eye, uh, the Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, where he uh, also plays the good guy because it's the yeah. Twins. <laughs> but that's the, really it's the first time he plays a villain in what 15, 17 years. Yeah, I try, I'm trying to think now, and it is, isn't it? It is, and he does such a good job in it. I mean, you can argue after, and he sort of—he never really plays villains in the past. I mean, like you can look at Wolf of Wall Street, the guy. It's not the a villain. villain. It's, it's not a villain. more an anti-hero. Isn't That's it? it. But he plays the anti-hero a lot. Whilst mm. here, he's just flat-out villain, mm. and he does such a good job of it. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like they tend to not cast the pretty, pretty guys as villains for some reason. I think they have to have sort of—you've got to be British and old. Yeah, you got to be an old British man. That's all it is now. Or what it used to be was the the Dang Russian. Things, yeah. Um, and before that was the Chinese or something. Wasn't Russian, it? Russian blonde bodybuilder. Yeah, basically Dolph Lundgren pretended to be Russian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that's really, really interesting because this uh, there was a lot in here about slavery, a lot about um, racial slurs and things like that, which I think a lot of the actors were uncomfortable doing. And you find that with a lot of his films, don't you? That they feel uncomfortable. Yeah, the uh, there's there's there was a big there was a big thing about that because Leonardo DiCaprio really didn't want to say the M word, mm-hmm. and I think Samuel Jackson Samuel L. Yeah. Jackson was like he he said something along the lines of like pull yourself together like and then insert word here yeah. Like you're an actor, it's fine. Yeah, it. <laughs> and that's that's it. It's literally really interesting that they're doing that. Um, but the, the the fact that the slavery and the just disregard to, to black life at the point mm. during this is is so plentiful. There's that point where um, they're playing poker, mm. and you, do you see what the currency they were using? They weren't using chips. They were using black ears from slaves. They'd cut off the slaves' ears and they were using them as currency when they're betting. It's just showing that they they mean so little oh, they're property they're property and they're, they're barely property I mean I most none of them were smashing up their houses and using mm. parts of them it's that they literally cared less about them mm. and I think it's really important it's, and it's great that he's done this because it's he's also been talking about how 
I, strange, they, I mean, we talked about it in the last one about Spike Lee talking about how he uses um, the N word he shouldn't use. He just uses it because he wants to be able to. Mm. And he goes, "Well, no, I'm writing like people talk." Mm. And at the time, it was very much that. And it's quite good that he's now got a stronger black guy in the lead because really Django is the lead in this, even though you say maybe Christopher yeah, Wallace I, is. I agree, Django. Um, and I would say it's the first time a black guy is the lead because I mean, until we get to Hateful Eight. Uh, Hateful Eight is the first time Samuel L. Jackson is billed as the lead actor for it. So although you can look at old we've had ones, Jackie black, Brown. I was going to say, we've had black leads, but not black male leads. No, it was, yeah, so he's a Jackie Brown, um, who is, but that's one of the off-forgotten yeah. um, Tarantinos. Which is a travesty. It is. It is. If you haven't seen it, watch Jackie Brown, it's great. Um, yeah, anything else you want to talk about with this film? Because I think we've made it quite clear that no, it's a I, very no, good film. Yeah, it's a great film. Great film. If you, if you get the chance, watch it. But... Um... However, if if you're uh, if you're thinking about what Tarantino western to watch, you might want to stay tuned. Cause... Yeah, because we might have some, uh, I, would, I would say maybe disagreeable opinions on that. Um, it was it was listed as the best film of the year on a lot of critic lists. Um, oh, Django. Django, yeah, listed as as the top. You look at a lot of them on the top ten lists. The the most like revered critics. Mm happened between like one and five it's mm. just one of those films that was so well done and i agree with it um so yeah let's let's move on to the next one so after after this we have another little gap before he comes back into creating another film yeah um which he announced pretty much straight away afterwards because he said that he was going to be working on a new film that was again going to be another western mm. but categorically stated it wasn't going to be the sequel to Django mm. he didn't want to do the sequel to Django I know a lot of people wanted it to be the case yeah. um, I'm glad he didn't he did do um... yeah me too I like that all of his films even though they interconnect I like that none of them are sequels so he obviously does... Kill yeah. Bill I think he did a little short that he wrote for like Django Unbroken or something it's called I don't know what it is and it's like a little short that's is got it? something about yeah about maybe the build up I can't remember what it was exactly Django does comic relief yeah, Django does comic relief. Yeah, he's up there, um, <laughs> up there telling jokes, doing carpool karaoke with James Corden. Um, but he essentially he wrote this next one, and it was uh, revealed the film was going to be titled Hateful Eight, uh, which would likely begin in the summer twenty fourth. Film by Tarantino. The eighth film, yeah. Um, it was obviously a nod to the Magnificent Seven, mm. the Hateful Eight. It was obviously that sort of nod. But the the script leaked in January twenty fourteen. Yes. And Tarantino was going to not do the film. He was going to not do it, although he'd written it all, basically cast it, had it already, and just went, well, if everyone knows what I'm doing, I'm not interested in doing it. Yeah. Because that's the sort of guy he is. He wants it to be the R, the all yeah. factor. Like, Whoa, what the, this is what we're saying. I don't really know what I'm going to expect. Yeah. And it was all given away because obviously the script leaked online. And well, it was the final script that was used, yeah. Pretty much, well, I, yeah. Because I, I remember it coming out, but I couldn't... I, I, sorry, I remember the script being leaked. Yeah. Because it was leaked It was leaked by... It was like Channing Tatum's agent or something, wasn't it? It was... That it was, was how it had gone. It was released... Uh, I, I don't know who released it. I think it was released by an agent, because he said he only gave it to a few... It, well, I think it was. I think it was Channing Tatum's colleagues. agent. Colleagues. It was like Bruce Dern, Tim Roth and Michael Madsen mm. had them, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was... One of their agents, to be honest, it doesn't. But, um, it doesn't ever state in what I've looked at who it was explicitly. But I remember, I remember it happening. Yes. And I remember avoiding that script at all costs. Yeah. I did not want to read it. 
I had no I interest didn't want to in see reading anything it. about it. I had no interest in reading it because I knew I wanted to see the film when it came out. So basically, he didn't want to do it. He got mm. a script read together, and basically, they they were all excited about it. They all really liked the film, and basically, Samuel Jackson was the one who went, "Look, you got to do it. Mm. <laughs> you you have to do this film." Yeah, that's right. Um, and obviously, it was his first lead in a film. Uh, not in a film. Yeah, it's the first lead Samuel L. Jackson. It's, it's, it's the first time that he's been got, like, given top billing in a mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino film, although it was his sixth outing with Tarantino at this point. Uh, yeah, it's his sixth, I'm pretty sure. Pulp um, Fiction, Jackie Brown. Correct. Um, Django. Yep. Inglorious Bastards and Kill Bill Volume 2. What is he in Inglourious Bastards? He's got a little bit role in there. Is it? Yeah, a little bit role in there. He's also got a little bit role in Kill Bill Volume Two. He's I the guy playing. That. He's the guy playing the piano in Kill Bill Volume Two um, for the wedding at the very beginning. Really? Um, yeah, okay. I think. Okay. Um, and Inglourious Bastards, I can't remember where he is in that, but yeah, it's a little little bit part because he's the one who's used the most in his films. Yeah, yeah. He's used him six times. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. Okay. Hateful Eight. Obviously, there was. Um, it can't have been Channing Tatum's agent because he didn't join it until November and the, car, the script had le- leaked in uh, January. Okay. So he got them all together. So should we just talk about... Um, well, as you said last time, we'll be putting time codes, hopefully, in there yeah, <laughs> um, for you to go through. So we'll, we'll go into a detail about this film now because I, I, I don't want to go into more of his life. I'd rather just get through and just talk about these films because mm. this is one of those films that I meant to watch when it came out and I completely missed it completely missed it for some reason it's it's just the timing and what i was doing Mm. it just it just didn't coincide unfortunately but since then i have watched it and my god is this the film (laughs) made for me yeah yeah um it's it's rekindled your love of westerns isn't it it has i've been watching a lot of westerns recently because of this and i suppose because of his most recent film as well yeah um but he he basically it came out it's not received the it's one of his least well-received films Mostly positive. It's only got like it's like aggregate score of like seventy four percent. It's like really low down. The only one that's lower than it is Death Proof, um, and I think that's unjust to be honest. In my opinion, I th- I think that I think a lot of that is that it wasn't Django two. It wasn't Django two. Yeah, it was following Django. It wasn't a sequel. People wanted more, and they saw it and they went, "Well, that wasn't Django." But it, I think it's better than Django. Yep. Um, oh. I know, big big take there, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's one of those ones which is uh, better than Django and often overlooked, even by myself. So, hateful eight. Um, we sort of already said we both like it, so I'll just go into shall I just go into a plot synopsis of it? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so, hateful eight, um, which was often marketed as hateful eight with an eight in the hateful. hateful eight. Um, mm. Which I don't know why they did that. It was obviously because it was his eighth film, and they wanted to just stick that more in there, even though there's already an eight in the title. Um, he actually originally conceived it as a novel and a sequel to the previous film uh, Django Unchained, but then changed to make it a standalone film and did a lot of mm. alterations to it. You can sort of feel it because it's still about westerns, it's still about mm. bounty hunters, and Django could easily have been Samuel Jackson's character. Mm. Just you know, with a different history beforehand, and that's mm. why they got the yeah, yeah. back and forth there. So it opens um, beautifully I, shot. For ev- everything about that, like instantly, I was like, "This is so good!" Like the opening is what seven minutes, something like that. Yeah. It's it is long, and it's 
Tarantino managed to convince and get on board um, Enrico Morricone, is it? Yes, the... Um, the guy who did famously the, did the Good, Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Oh, no, sorry, yes. Yeah, he um, did that. And he, also... uh, and he that won um, Best Original Score. At yeah, the was, he year, also did it? the thing as well. Yeah. He did do the thing. But I, I, I thought, I, I don't know, I, in my head, yeah, uh, no, he it's, did all those, it's that, you know, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly with the The graves. interesting thing is a lot of the tracks that weren't used in the thing that he'd already created, he used in this instead. Oh, is so, it? Which is why that sort of, that weird almost... Although it sounds Western, there's bits which sound a little... Spacey. A little little more off-kilter, and it's because he's already created certain bits mm. for it, so really interesting that. But yeah, that, that opening opening scenes, like walking Amazing. through the snow, and then the you go on to the... The carriage. The yeah. carriage. Um, and who were we introduced to at this point? The first person we meet is... Is Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. on the road. I mean, technically, it's the... It's, is it Bob? He's called yeah. The guy on the on the carriage who gets a real rough end of things. Um, hit Bob, but we meet Samuel L. Jackson in the road, surrounded by dead bodies, calling down this um, this uh, cart driver who's trying to skip a blizzard. Um, he wants a lift, but in the cart, well, the carriage, we have um, Kurt Russell. Yeah. And we have his his current bounty of Jennifer Jason Lee, who does a great job as mm. Daisy W, um, in there. And there's a whole conversation about getting him into the carriage, sharing yeah. the bounty, like protecting each other's bounties while they're interested. Yeah, we go, we move on. There's a whole conversation. We get all their backstory, and that's the thing. It's a real slow paced film. I think this is, um, and it feels like Western because it holds on dialogue and the tension, and you know something's not quite right is that sort of off kilter i think that's i think that might be where it is like django wears its heart on its sleeve mm. it's very much brash open you sort of know where everything's going mm. this is who it whilst here it's all we don't know it was, it's almost a, a bit of a murder mystery it's got that sort of vibe doesn't it it's it's, a th- it's almost like a western thriller isn't it yeah it's well, it's, it's single set essentially single set once we get to the, yeah, the setting yeah almost but then, what I mean by that is, it's all your characters are confined to this one space, much like in like an Agatha Christie or whatever, and they're just. Well, that's the thing. It's, it, if, if it's just like it's just the conversations. It, it is, and it's that's the thing that makes this. It's such not a dull premise, but it's such a simple premise of mm. what it is, mm. and the reason it's great is because it's one single locale. With these wonderful, very different, opinionated characters, and how they interact in that mm. situation, and how they act with this one little catalyst in there, and everything just blows out of order. It's very few films that have been doing that. I mean, recently, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. That's another situation where it's like almost a single set where it's just very different characters. And I love these sort of films where Free Fire. I think it's I think it's films that I could see put on stage really I don't know why you put a single set but mm. you just it's because the characters are so good and so mm. well thought out that you go brilliant yeah. that's what I want to see so yeah obviously they go they continue on through the snow and then good old Walter Goggins shows up um, who is I think he, he like he was he was so good in this a massive racist. A massive racist confederate, isn't he? Yeah, he's, his granddaddy was a confederate soldier who r- rose up against the North after they won and hated the blacks and that sort of thing. And he goes in 
he gets he manages to talk his way into the carriage as well because he's meant to be the new sheriff. They continue on and they get to um, Sweet, no, Sweet Dave and I can't remember the name of the woman. Something like no, uh, it's, it's Six Horse. Six no, no, horse. that's that's no, no oh. that's yeah, that's a different person. That is, um, it's Minnie's haberdashery. They get to. oh Minnie's haberdashery. Yeah, yeah, sorry, it's yeah, Minnie's haberdashery. Get there in there. There are three people, four people already. Yeah, you have Tim Roth. You have Tim Roth, who's playing Oswaldo. Oh, I want to say Cobblepot, yeah, but it's great, not right there. Great name. Oswaldo, who's meant to be the, the hangman for Red Rock, yeah. where they're going. Um, you have... The the Spaniard. <laughs> the Spaniard, who was originally meant to be French. Oh, really? He was meant to be French, but then they didn't he's, get the yeah, right... Sorry, he's not even a Spaniard, he's Mexican. He's Mexican, but he didn't really... They didn't, ha- he, they didn't have the right person come forward. No, that was Bob. Senor Bob, or who was also technically... Because uh, we're going to spoil these films, as we always say. Marco the Mexican. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tim Roth was Oswaldo Mowbray, who's yep. also English Pete Hycox. Um, Michael Madsen's in there as Joe Gage, who's yep. also known as Grouch Douglas. And then Bruce Dern as General Sanford Sandy Smithers, who is also sat there. Um, and they get there. and basically, He does well. He, he's Bruce also Dern. in... Oh, he's in the latest one as well. He, he is. He's oh, also just, in... I was trying to think where I've seen him recently. I think he's in one of the older ones as well. Yeah, Bruce Dern's in a couple of things he's done. He's in, he's in at least three of them. Yeah, um, it, it's... But oh, so it's they get great. there, and it's they see a... the premise is... Um, oh, Kurt Russell and um, Samuel L. Jackson are both bounty hunters. Yeah. There's um, an agreement between them that they're not going to do anything. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee is, is the bounty that the hangman, who is Kurt Russell, is bringing in. And... They're basically waiting this place out. The issue is there is an awareness that someone in this house, well, this haberdashery, is trying to help release. Yeah, it doesn't. She she says it, doesn't she? He doesn't believe. He doesn't trust something that's going on there. He doesn't trust some of the people there, and he basically he seems paranoid at first. But mm. then it all starts clicking together that yeah, actually, there is someone out to get get us. Yeah. And you get you get a brilliant um There's a narrator in there as well, isn't there? There is a narrator. Um Who's the narrator? I can't remember. Who is the narrator? It's Tarantino himself, isn't it? it? I thought it was Tarantino, but you when you said it I thought No, oh, I was I was, I was, I was expecting I, I was expecting when you say a narrator in a film, I always expect it to be Tom Waits. Because <sighs> he just narrates so perfectly on anything I've seen and he would have been great to have Tom Waits narrate over this that proper gravelly voice mm. I think it is Tarantino it he's, is Tarantino he's not billed as the narrator no one's really billed yeah. it it's clear that it is him he that that comes into it pretty pretty sharpish isn't it you have you have the moments where they're all talking and yeah. then suddenly he does he does his whole um, this film is separated through chapters mm which is a nice callback to earlier films where he has the chapters and he really go for it. And when it gets to a new chapter, it's chapter three. Mm. And I think it's... Um, who poisoned the... Daisy. Who poisoned no, Daisy's the got a secret. Oh, Daisy's got a secret. Daisy's That's got a secret, called, I think it's it? called. And it's the idea that she sees someone poison the tea and she knows that someone's going to, to die, essentially. And, my God, is that quite a brutal situation with that going on? I love the, her Yeah, at it. this point, he, she's handcuffed to Kurt mm. Russell because he No, she's not handcuffed at this point. He's let her off at this point. She sat on the table by himself. He's, he's let her go, but she has to ask permission to do things, which is why in this scene, she goes off to play the guitar. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. and then he he puts it back on. Yes. Um, 
it's it's so well. See, I I I really want to go into detail on this one, but it's so well written and the characters are so well actualized by all the actors. Mm. Um, basically, someone poisons the tea. Uh, Obi, the coach driver, dies because of it, and as as does Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. whilst he's handcuffed to Daisy Donoghue. Uh, which... it, it dies over her. Oh, previous to this, just before that, the the guitar. Do you remember the? Oh yeah, she's playing little... a lovely, lovely song on the guitar, and then Kurt Russell smashes the living hell out of it because she makes a joke about, against him. Yeah, but the guitar itself. Do, do you want to explain what happened with that? The, the guitar is um, it's a Gibson. So it's, for people who know guitars, it's nice. People who don't know guitars, that's like you know. Very, very good quality guitars. Now, this particular guitar had been lent to them by, or lent to the the studio, yep. by a museum. I think it was even. It, it might have even been. Um, it was. It, I can't remember. It, it was the, a museum. What's the name of the big one in? Is it in DC? Okay, um, the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian. I think it was even from the Smithsonian, and um, they had a. No, it was from the Martin Guitar Museum. Oh, it was a specific it was, guitar. Yeah, it was an 1870s, a, a classic 1870s priceless antique. There you go. And they had the replacement prop. They had six replicas. They had yeah. six replicas on set ready for this to smash. I mean, you can already tell where this is going. And Kurt Russell just picks up the original and smashes it to smithereens. And Jason, Jennifer Jason Lee is shocked because Her she, reaction. she realises what he's done. He apparently didn't know there were replicas on state set. No oh, one really? They just hadn't communicated it to him properly, and so he just knew he had to smash the guitar. So he just smashed I think that guitar. If you if you if you watch that scene, she looks off camera. Yeah. If you if you look really carefully, she's like she like screams and she looks and is like, "What do I do?" Yeah. He's just smashed this, which like, is so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it's brilliant. So then. He uh, handcuffs himself to her and throws up, throws up his blood all yeah, over her. They blow up, throw up blood everywhere, and then they collapse. And then it gets into the whole standoff with mm. Samuel L. Jackson because um, he's taken. They've taken the guns off everyone at this mm. point. Um, Samuel, he gets a standoff, going, "Look, I don't trust you. Don't trust this person." Da, 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 da. Um, he gets Walter Goggins, Charles Mannix. On his side, he because trusts he was, him, yeah. Because he was just about to drink the tea, and so there was no way that he would have done that deliberately mm. if he was in case. Um, he ends up shooting Bob the Mexican. Mm. Well, yeah. Is that the first one he dies? He kills Bob uh, the Mexican first because there's a the whole talk about how there was the sign above the door. Yeah, when Minnie wouldn't let no service to, no, yeah, no service to dogs or Mexicans. And she goes, they took that sign down because she now lets dogs into the place. Mm. Um so she kills him, and then he stands up and goes, now you two, now to work out what you do. And that's when we get the big reveal that Channing Tatum's under the floorboards and shoots him in his uh, in his eggs, as he, he calls them. And that is, that's a brutal entrance. That's a rough scene. But then, but then you get what's <laughs> one of the best scenes in the film, is the, the chapter, they jump back, and you see how, how they take all these the people place. ended up in... The in Minnie's haberdashery, because when they got there, Minnie was there. You had Sweet Dave, Sweet Dave, and what's the name? Six Horse, Six Horse, Six Horse Lou. What's the name? Something like that. It was Six Horse Judy. Six Horse Judy. Zoe Bell, who's in loads of his now. She's like in four of his films. Mm -hmm. She's starting to become a real regular. Mm. 
as smaller parts that do really good mm. good performances. She actually she acts opposite Kurt Russell in the new one, doesn't she? She does, yeah. And she was um, also in Django. Yes, she yeah, is. she was. Um, she, but yeah, and it's uh it's. So yeah, it's we watch so we watch that scene. So um, basically, Chang Tatum is Judy Domague, so he's the brother of um, Daisy. Daisy. Uh, the others are part of his gang. They've come in there. They do this whole build-up where they're slowly being like friendly with everyone, and there's a moment where they sort of nod, mm. and they kill Execute. everyone bar one person because they decide to keep the old man because mm. it makes it look more more believable. Um, the old Confederate leader, yeah, Bruce Dern, um, chase the black guy around the back, shoot him dead, and basically clear everything out. They try to work out who they're going to be. Then they realise that more people are on the wagon than they meant to. So Judy goes and hides downstairs to not give himself away mm. um, in case they recognise him. And it turns out they all have bounties on their heads, yeah. all of these men, because anyone who's part of the Domague gang have a bounty. She only had 10,000. I think Judy had like 50,000. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, I think I think it was like 20,000 for... The British, like for Tim Roth's character, mm. fifteen for um, the Mexican and ten for Grouch, played by Michael Madsen. Yeah, um, and he's basically the same. But basically, they've got their, they've gone and got ready for it. Then we cut back to where we are, which is when he gets shot. Basically, they start shooting. Um, Walter Goggins has been shot in the leg quite badly. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel Jackson has been shot in the balls. <laughs> Uh, Tim Roth's been shot in the stomach, and he's almost—it's almost Reservoir Dogs again. Yeah, it's I'm fucking dying. Bleeding, yeah, I was again. Uh, Michael Madsen has also. Yeah, he's dead. We've missed a bit. No, that's when the start, the shooting all happens, and they all start shooting each other. He doesn't kill Michael. He doesn't kill Grouch straight away. Grouch is alive at this point. Grouch is alive, but Mexican's dead. Yeah, yeah, that was what I said beforehand. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they did that, and that's what causes this. It's a... And also, we we did miss the 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 gaining of um, Willie Goggs over to his side was even harder because he's he just killed the Confederate oh, general yeah. who was the old man. <laughs> oh yeah, he did do that. That was a brilliant scene because that's that's when she's drinking. The tea gets poisoned. Mm. Samuel L. Jackson's having a whole conversation, trying to lure. Bruce Dern's character to reach for a gun so he can kill him in self-defense because mm. then he's not breaking the law. Mm. Um, but basically just does the whole conversation of getting Bruce Dern's son to basically suck his dick. Yeah. And there's a whole explicit... Oh yeah, you get the little cutaway, don't you? Cutaway yeah. where the guy's just walking naked in the snow trying to just stay warm. He'll do anything for a blanket. Yeah. And Bruce Dern reaches for the gun mm. so Samuel L. Jackson gets to kill him. Which is what he wants to do because... He'd been after him for years, and the other guy. Had like... Yeah, because they 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 faced each other on on the battlefield, on the battlefield between the Confederates and the. It's uh, honestly, Yankees. it's so well written. The dialogue is the thing that makes this. Obviously, after all this has happened, we get to see Chain Tatum comes out after an agreement, comes out through the trap door. He turns to look at his sister. He goes, "I'm here for you, dinner." And Samuel Jackson just <laughs> shoots, shoots him square in the head, like literally, you're dead. Boom. Chain Tatum has such a small role in this mm. film, and it's brilliant. It's so yeah, it's well executed. He literally the yeah, the, <laughs> very um, well executed. Yeah, and his 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 blood then also ends up on Daisy. So she's she's Coated. got she's got a, a severed arm. Not at this point. To her. She's not gone for the gun at no, this she's point. Cut off. 
Go, she cuts off. She no, she does in a bit. Taxes. It's, it's where no, she hacks his arm off when um, Mannix passes out and uh, Samuel Jackson's out with, without bullets, so he has to try and oh, get to her again. Yeah. They're both chasing and they're r- r- racing to get there. Basically, a whole deal is trying to be struck between them about how they can take um, Oswaldo mm. as payment because he's going to die anyway, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, take me." That thing just let us go because otherwise you go to Red Rock, all of the gangs there. It's this whole standoff that mm. they do. It's just so good. It is honestly so well done. Basically, everyone dies. Daisy Domague gets hung like the hangman wanted, and by the end of it, <laughs> by the end of it, Samuel L. Jackson and Walter Goggins are bleeding out on a bed, mm. reading a fake letter from Abraham Lincoln. Yes. <laughs> As the music starts. Yes. There's so many lovely bits in this. I mean, there's lots of nods that I like. Like, um, OB, the carriage driver, is wearing like a hat and glasses, which is the same hat and glasses from The Thing, the original Thing. No, oh, There's it? little bits here, because obviously it's all set in the snow as well, so it's got a lot of touches on that. Obviously, Kurt Russell's in it. They've got the same composer. There's loads of bits in here. And as you said, I think the reason I like it is it's Reservoir Dogs. Meets Django. Reservoir Dogs in the West. Mm. And it's what uh, I'm a big fan of dialogue driven films. Mm. I like action films, I like st- stupid action films. I just feel like this hit more notes for me than Django did, mm. but that's just my personal opinion. Better or worse than Hobbs and Shaw? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, better than Hobbs and Shaw, I'll, I'll say that much. Um, it's also apparently it got released on Netflix, and they've tried to turn it into a mini series on Netflix, so you see each chapter essentially as a mi- so oh, people, more cool. people will watch it. So you break it down by chapter mm. and you'll get people just able to like binge it because it seems like now people are more inclined to binge TV and watch through TV yeah. than if you put it as a film. If you go, oh yeah, it's um, a five part mini series. Each is about half an hour. All right, it's two and a half hours. Yeah, I'll watch a TV show for that. A film? Oh, I'm not doing that for two yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. It, for some reason, people just have this sort of um, broken idea of what is and what isn't. Yeah, that is yeah, that is the exact mindset that Emma has about films. <laughs> I'm like, you'll you'll spend like two hours watching TV that you've watched before. You, you've watched before. You or you don't yep. really care about like you could have watched some of the greatest films are less than that. You know, definitely. Um, so obviously this has come out. It, it didn't receive a lot of good view, reviews. Um, I know a lot of positive reviews, but not as many as his normal ones. Mm-hmm. It was then announced that afterwards he was going to be doing. He also said that he was going to shoot this in 70mm film format for theatres. Yes. Because he didn't really want to release it in digital. He's very much one of those people who still... He's very class... Um, and I, I, I get it. I get it. It's, there's, a, there's a warmth to film. Mm. It's it's real It's real knobby, in it? It's like, oh yeah, I like it film. It's like the guys, people go, it sounds better on a vinyl. But there is... Well, it does. There's, there's, there's a reason I mean, for it. It's sounding better on a vinyl, unless you've got an insanely, insanely high, like size file yes yeah it is it's, and that's it it's, it's, you, it's removing the compression mm. and so it just gets that sort of, and I agree with it and it, basically so this will happen I'm not going to keep going um, so it was then reported that his next film was going to be about the Manson family which it was then announced in 2018 it was going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and that DiCaprio would play Rick Dalton yes um, with Brad Pitt as, as his opposite along with Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate yeah. Um, so that's what was next announced. Obviously, that's the film we're going to talk about in a bit. I'm just going to go through anything else we've got. Just, just a, a little bit about his life. Just a little bit else about his life. Um, you going to talk so about what? He's now he's now married. Yeah. Um, so back in 2017, he um, got engaged to an Israeli singer. 
Daniela Pick, who's the daughter of Svika nice Pick. Who's nice a, feet, I heard. Um, and he, they met in in Israel when he was promoting Glorious Bastards in Israel. I mean, strange film to promote in Israel. I think it's, a, it's a quite a positive film, actually. It's a very positive film, film to, to promote in Israel. Yeah. Um, and they got married in 2018 in a reformed Jewish ceremony in the Beverly Hills home. And as of four days ago, four days ago, <laughs> apparently, yeah, from a snake, um, they are now expecting their first child. Hooray. So that's a positive compared to some of his other personal Baby life issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little, little bit Tony Tarantino. Um he doesn't really care much about religion. It's not like he doesn't care about it. He says he's, he doesn't really know if he believes in God, especially not in this Santa Claus character that people seem to have conjured up. <laughs> um, he's he's an interesting guy, Tarantino. I though, feel he's he? very Old Testament God. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks of God. He's he's worked with a lot of people several times, which is where the whole auteur, which we were discussing last time, comes in. Mm. Um, obviously, I said the most was Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Then it's Michael Madsen with five mm-hmm. films. Um, then Zoe Bell with four, um, along with Michael Parks. Um, but like Tim Roth has been in three, Harvey Keitel's been in three. But they've Tim been Roth larger has... part. Like Tim Roth has been big parts in all three that he's been in. Yeah, Tim Roth's certainly been in four, but his part was cut in the most recent film. He was meant to be in Once yeah. Upon a Time. Wasn't he was he? been Once Upon a Time. It's a little small part, but he, he did it. They filmed it. They thought it was really good, but it just didn't. Because of the length of the film, they had to cut well, it. It's one of those things. I can't wait for the extended yeah. edition then. Um, Uma Thurman, obviously, in three films, yeah. but that's sort of a cheat. Because uh, <laughs> Wait, us. when you say three, is in volume one and volume two. Up. Oh, well, it is. There's two two separate it's films. Weird. When you think of Tarantino, as he as he said, she she is his muse. So it's interesting to think that she's only been in. But like created, yeah, films. Pulp Fiction. But then like Kill Bill Volume One and Two is one of his like his. I think he's one of his favorites because mm. he he loves those sort of films. Mm. Um, also, you got to think after the whole situation with Kill Bill, that was the problem. There was that whole argument. They didn't speak for years because of the making her drive and get yeah, injured. Yeah. But they now reconcile, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she's in his next film, mm. whichever that might be. Because there's a lot of com- discussion right now about what well, his next he's already will be. he's already signed up to do the Star Trek. Yep, um, which a lot of people. Uh, well, I'm dead excited. Simon Pegg has been very vocal and critical against it. Simon Pegg has. Well, Simon mm. Pegg wrote the last one, didn't he? Yeah. Wrote and directed. And so he's, 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 he's a proper been, Trekkie. So he's critical of that because he doesn't... Is he? Yeah, there's a whole kick-off between the two of them recently. Oh, uh, I feel very conflicted now because yeah. I like both of them. I know. Very much. Um, and also he's now been saying that he might be doing a horror as well. Amazing. Because we haven't had a Tarantino horror. And I'd love to see the horror we've genre. Had, we've had... Uh, homage and a bit of uh, flip on the head. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more horror like the thing horror. Yeah. Or maybe even something similar to like Overlord, which came out recently. I feel like, like if Roth's... anyone if anyone could do it, Tarantino could could do some sort of weird ass Lovecraftian thing. Yeah, I, but the thing is, I don't see him taking things into space. I know he's doing Star Trek. No, no, I'm not saying Lovecraftian in space. No, no, I know, but he's trying to work out where you'd stick with with the, with, with this horror. Mm. I feel like he's going to be doing a claustrophobic sort of yeah horror. I don't know. I'm I'm very I'm excited Deserted. for anything he could be doing. But yes, very excited. So that's sort of his life up till now. Um, his life, or quite literally up until <laughs> four days ago. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we are. Um, I guess what we'll have to now move into is the review. Ooh. 
Yes, it's time for the review. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a lovely pause there for you. I, mean, I do apologise. I was, um, um... Uh, yeah, I was, I was dealing with my with the response to my morning taco. <laughs> so I ate six tacos this morning. Six. Yeah. Fucking hell! I didn't six see that tacos, um, which is a great way to start the day. Just after drinking a lot. With heartburn so, and, yeah, and meat. <laughs> heartburn and meat, that's what you go for. So, yes, the film. What film was it this week? It was Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I watched this the day it came out, I think. I yeah, I think I watched it the day after, maybe. Did you watch, watch it on Friday? First. I watched it on the Friday. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Friday. I watched it on the Friday. No, I watched it on the Saturday. I watched it the Saturday, so... You would have watched it before. Oh me? no, I could. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we watched it. it. We watched Either it way. a little over. Well, about a week and a half ago now. Yeah. It's um. So we'll see what we can to remember it. Um. Before we get into it though, great film, bad film, great film. Top half, bottom half of Tarantino. Top half. Top half. Oh, big words. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really good film. Mm. Um, I think the majority of people have been positive. About it, as far as I'm aware, everyone that I know is. It's, it's already his highest grossing movie, isn't it? Um, I think it's. Is it? I think it was like this. Was it? Yeah, something like that. It's, it can't be his highest grossing. His highest grossing was Django. So maybe it is. No, I don't I know. Is, I think it is. I think it's. No, that's that's interesting. Like if it is, brilliant, it. and it should be because it's it's such a good film that's mm. um come out a real nice interesting look and the acting in it is brilliant the script is phenomenal you get and... you get three films for the price of one basically yeah and that's the thing isn't it people go oh that's, that's a long film you go you're paying the same price ticket no matter what you're going to go see mm. why not go see something longer that you're going to be talking about for days afterwards 100 mm. because you were um i mean i i went to saw it with Keris. did you go see it by yourself I went to see it with a friend, but not oh, Emma. A different friend. You got more friends than me. Yeah, I went to see it with Tom. Oh, Hunt. oh, Tom Hunt, mm. Thunt himself. You went to see it with Thunt himself. Yeah, you know what I think about him. I haven't met him, so who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a great film, honestly. Um, should we go through a non-spoiler plot? We'll do a non-spoiler one. We'll, we'll try do and a do non-spoiler a... outline and then a spoilery plot. Um, non-spoiler, and we'll try and talk about things that we respond to and how mm. we felt about it. So, it's set in 1969 um, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It centers around Rick Dalton, um, who is like a former star of the 1950s Western era, which was a, um, a series called Bounty Law. Bounty Again, Law. so similar about Bounty Hunters. He seems to be, really love the Bounty Hunters yeah. and Westerns, um, which is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have, who is basically scared that he's, he's, his career's over now. Yeah. That's essentially an aging actor playing an aging actor. Yes. Um, with Brad Pitt's there, who it's, sort of drives him around, does his odd jobs, but is essentially... Was his stuntman for the last two series of Bounty Law, mm. along with the little bits here and there. And um, they've become good mates. Yeah, it's become more than just work colleagues. They've become friends, although he's essentially his butler. He's yeah, bit... but I think he gets more out of it than just being a butler, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he does. He, it's not It's not just your work. It's, it's like, I keep trying to keep you in films. Mm. It's, cause because I mean, it's, it's, like a, it's like symbiotic, isn't it? Yeah. If, if he starts losing jobs, then 
the stuntman loses jobs. Yeah, so it's, it's basically helping each other and trying to keep them up. Mm. Um, we start off with, with sort of a discussion about what he should be doing with his career. We get Al Pacino comes in really early on. Yeah, and yeah, that was unexpected. Yeah, and it's uh, basically about whether he should con- try and continue making these pilots, being in the background, being the mm. the person who gets beaten, or whether he should move abroad yeah, and become yeah, that sort of star. It's be the bad guy or stay as the leading man, but foreign. <laughs> yeah, but go to foreign films, because... You're still got you still got names, still got clouds because mm. the idea is, I mean, especially at this era, films took such a long time to expand outside of out of America. Yeah, it's not like now everyone gets immediate releases at the same time. It was a slow, gradual thing. Like a film could be like five years behind the times back then. Mm. It comes out in Europe, so Rick Dalton was still a big name over there, big deal. So it just made sense for it. So it's basically them having a discussion about it. Um, Dalton can't drive, that's why. Um, yeah, uh, I can't because remember his, his name. His Cliff, in the, Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth. Uh, his Booth cars in the in the in the shop, in but the he's shop. actually got so many DUIs he can't go. <laughs> and Cliff Booth has his own dark history um, behind him, where people don't want to work with him because of things that may totally... may, or may or not have happened. Yeah, yeah. So they they need each other because they both hardly function as people. Um, together they make a whole person. almost yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> we also then meet Sharon Tate. So this there's part that, obviously they're fictionalized. But then we have the real sort of people, which is Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Every, every other character in that film's real. Apart from those two. Apart from those two. Everyone. And his wife. All the directors. I think the wife was an, was an Italian uh, actress. An uh, Italian starlet. They, uh, they, it is literally, every, every director you see mm-hmm. is based on a real person. All the actors around them people. are based on real people. It's, it's, it's insane. It's really interesting. They just planted these two... It's similar fake to, people into the middle of Hollywood. <laughs> it's, it's the fake history thing yeah. that he loves doing. Um, we got to go through that. So obviously Sharon Tate, Roman Plants came back. So we mm. see their sort of life and how they're building up. Um, we also have a bit of reminiscing about what's going on as Dalton's off doing another TV sort of pilot. Um, and he thinks about why he can't be, what he should be. Uh, Cliff Booth says what he can't, why he can't be a stuntman. Most things mm. anymore. Um, and then we also meet a group of hippies. I mean, this isn't too much of a spoiler. You see it in the thing, and you know what's happening. And basically, he meets the Manson family. Mm. Doesn't meet Charles Manson himself. No. Um, but he meets the Manson family. Gets an idea about where they are, the area because it's an old set, which is where it actually was. That's where they sort of put the commune because it was very much the time where there were a lot of young people and professionals who are just ripping off the chains of society and just going off to find these communes so they weren't an uncommon thing but it was just more more world building around it isn't it mm. um and essentially we see them struggle to work out what they should be doing what they agree with in this era and essentially rick dalton decides that he needs to reevaluate his life mm. he does move to italy to do some films, he does. Are we doing the spoiler? That's not really a spoiler. I mean, no. it's, it's 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 an inevitability. I mm. think in this film, um, before he comes back, and then essentially history starts to Unlocking. manifest itself. Yeah. I think that's sort of way going through. So, without giving away spoilers or things, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Are really good in this. A dynamic duo. The be- the better of the two, though. 
Brad Pitt. It's Brad Pitt. Yeah. And I saw a really good article, and I, I did read it. It was how Brad Pitt is the most underutilized actor in Hollywood because he's too pretty. He's a proper character actor that can't get the character yeah. roles because of how he looks. Obviously, when he was younger, you look at things like um, 12 Monkeys, mm-hmm. Fight Club. He could do the sort of unhinged and a little mm-hmm. off there, but it was always pretty boy. It was still attractive. Still know? attractive. And, he, and then you look at it, it was like, always like taking his top off. That's why he does in this as well. And my God, he's still ridiculously <laughs> still in shame. He's, oh, I, there was a point there where I melted into the seats. Uh, <laughs> when he got, But he was so good in every bit he did there. This is his best Tarantino performance. I preferred this to Aldo Rain. Although I loved Aldo Rain as well. They're different yeah. characters, that's the thing. It's hard to it's hard to measure the two against each other. Yeah, I think this was a better character. But I must say I think Aldo Rain has some better lines. I think Aldo Rain is probably a better character. I think he's just such an out there over the top yeah. character. Whilst this is a more subtle portrayal mm. which is going on but he's so nuanced and but he's, although he's broken, there's all this sort of stuff in his back. So he's, he's actually a good guy, mm. no matter what people think of him. He's, he's not a bad guy. I love the scene where he's he goes back home mm. to the trailer and he's got his dog there mm. and he's sat there. He's made, he gets the dog the he's food, chatting to the dog. talking to the dog, eating mac and cheese. It's clear that his life is shit, really. It mm. is. It's not, it's not what it should be. But he's almost content with it. He's content and he's happy because he's still providing a service for the captain. Yeah. Uh, DiCaprio's performance is brilliant again as well. Um, I mean, yeah, amazing. He, <laughs> when you see, because you see a whole um, section of old films that he would have been in, some of those are brilliant. How he does like them. the what where they've edited him in into like. I mean, like there's, there's certain things like where he was, um, we can sort of say, where he was like idea for potentially being in the Great, great Escape. Escape. That was so um, well done. But I meant like his actual films that he did. Oh do, right, yeah, okay. And they are he does such a good job in those ones as classic fifties actors mm. because acting has changed so much, hasn't it? Now I think acting mm. has become so much more dynamic. Yeah. Um, and settled the subtleties there. Whilst it, you look back at the old western stuff, it's very wooden. I think I yeah. don't know. I don't not in a bad way. It's just it was a lot stiffer. It was it was the start of filmmaking. It was the start of like. I mean, you look at old old start films. I mean, um, I'm trying to think. I don't. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. The guy who did Birth of a Nation, but it wasn't called that originally. It's called The Klansman. He sort of invented cinema essentially. Um, Birth of a Nation is a terrible example. He turns his back on that one. But he, his next film, he does a real subtle film. And it is it's that nuanced thing. But when it becomes yeah. a mass-produced sort of medium, where you look at Hollywood, where they start churning out these westerns, it becomes much more cut-and-paste acting, mm. where it's just literally, stand there, say your line, move on. Stand there, say your line, move on. Which is why that scene where he acts is so important. Mm. <laughs> but it's so out there for, for the rest of the actors at the time. Yeah, it is. It's it's weird. It is. It's like a modern actor set in an old set world. in an old world. Yeah, when really his acting is probably better than but the majority. Not, but it's is not it campy? It's not as campy. It's not what they needed yeah. at the time. It wasn't what 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 they were selling. Um, there are there are a few good scenes where yeah. you see him acting like for a new film, <laughs> and it's such a good capture of. Uh, like on set, isn't it? Yes, it is, and it just it it was um, it works 
it shows what the TV was like and the thing. It's like the the big old lots that they used to have. Just move to that trailer, mm. go around here, and they build the world so wonderfully mm. that you feel like you. It's a long run time again. It's like two hours forty or something like mm. that. And at no point did I feel it was flagging at all. Oh no no no! I wasn't like oh, I just better hurry up. Anyway. I I I was captivated the entire time. Mm. Um, Margot mm. Robbie, Robbie as Sharon Tate. Yeah. Good. So good. I mean, there was the, there's the thing about him. Her, her sister, um, Sharon Tate's sister, says it's actually like seeing Sharon there for the mm. first time. And the interesting thing is, we obviously know what's coming with Sharon Tate. I mean, this film, but you know Sharon Tate's story. If you don't know Sharon Tate's story, we'll go into more detail with it later. But she got the go-ahead that it was fine to do this film as well, which is probably something very difficult to do. Mm. And if you're... Um, family member and he's and tarantino goes oh yeah i'm doing something with one of your family members in there you're going to be a bit touch and go depending on what it's going to be because of what he sort of does before he was good she was really good in it i really liked her she was it was such a nice honest portrayal emil hirsch was the biggest shock to me Hmm? emil hirsch i didn't realize it was emil hirsch when he was doing it which one is he 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 was um the he was jay sebring he was the one who wanted he was opposite um, Sharon Tate, who was her old lover. Oh yeah, yeah, he's good. It just didn't look like Emil Hirsch. I don't know who Emil Hirsch is. Oh, he's um, uh, into the wild, Speed Racer, um, Alpha Dog. Um, he's. Uh, Are you serious? Uh, Killing Joe. Okay. He's in loads of films. It just did not look like Emil Hirsch. He was so much smaller, mm. um, but he was really good in there. He, he did. A, he didn't have to do much, but he was good when he's on. Um, yeah, everyone in here. Is well. brilliant. I mean, Dakota Fanning, who shows up, is a shock. Keris didn't believe it was Dakota Fanning, even though I said it was Dakota Fanning. Yeah, she was good. Uh, Damien Lewis, his little yeah, his little bit, plays, which we're all going to. Yeah, plays Steve McQueen. Yeah, he was. Is, yeah, brilliant casting. Yeah, really good casting, <laughs> but so like, I wouldn't have thought it when he when you got yeah. go. Oh, he's, oh yeah, he's he's just perfect for that. Um, obviously, this is the last film with Luke Perry in it as well. Is it? Yeah, because he's passed away now. He had a stroke. Complications from that. Oh. Died at the age of 50 or 51 this year. I did not realise that. Yeah, because he's in uh, Riverdale or something like that. So they mm. did like an homage, like a oh, honorary okay. thing to him. But yeah, he, this was meant to be his, like, he was going to be more involved in it, I think. Mm, but sure. he had to sort of work around it. They were going to make it. It was, it was another one of the Tarantinos bringing him back to the forefront. Um yeah, there's a lot of very good performances in it. I mean, you, again, you get um, Bruce Dern's in it here, mm-hmm. Michael Madsen's in here, mm-hmm. Kurt Russell's in here, Zoe Bell's in here. Mm-hmm. I suppose Leo's in here because it's his second film with Leo. It's his second film with Brad Pitt. First one with Margot Robbie. Oh, she's going to come back though. Oh she's yeah, hundred percent. She use she her talks. Again. She's talked about it before. She really loves what she did there. I think she was. Mm. She's one of those actresses who I think is so good in the things she's doing at the moment. She's brilliant, and she's. Was it? Yeah. Do you want? Wait, do you want to go into spoilers? We'll go into it in a second. In a second. Really. Yeah. Also, yeah, and, and Tim Roth, who wasn't actually. In there. it, as we said, yeah. Yeah, um, but this is essentially a film that follows the life of an aging person who is on the edge of what is 1950s Hollywood before they sort of disappear into to nothingness, because it was a more disposable time I suppose then because mm. there wasn't so many films around like now there is so much around yeah obviously there are a lot more actors around but it was, it's done in such a different way now to how it was back then that yeah. if you got to an age they just didn't hire you 
Yeah, it was it was it was it's very dog eat dog. Mm. Even with the stunt man, as you the stunt men as you see through Brad Pitt, that's equally dog eat dog because Leonardo's like just use him. Yeah, like all the time, but then certain directors don't want to, or, or stunt coordinators don't want. Yeah, to stunt coordinators don't. Or it's there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's, I I think it was a really good. Um, what did you say rep- representation of that era? Yeah, no, it's a very honest time capsule. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm trying to say. They've, yeah. they've they've captured the essence of what that time would be. I mean, obviously not being around there, <laughs> but no. from from my, it felt felt honest. It didn't feel like anything was forced. Obviously, there's bits where you're like, oh, was it really like that with like the hippies walking around? Mm. But it was. I mean, you talk, they talk about it, and you see things, and it, you look at the, look at history, and you, I mean, the situation surrounding it, mm. you know very much this was what the situation was, and the way that films were done, it was, as you said, doggy dog. Mm. Um, I think realistically, this there's so many good scenes in here. Um, I mean, in the trailer, you see Charles Manson. Um, I, don't, I don't think I watched the trailer. Trailer has Charles Manson in it, so I mean, mm. I'm, I, if it's in a trailer, I, I class it as not spoiling no. it because it's there. He might be one of the best castings I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. He, Looks the spit. He was the absolute spit of him, um, and I was, I was shocked to see how well they they'd actually cast him. Not in a bad way, but it's like, how have you managed to find someone who looks so much like this guy? Um, I think as well. Um, he has been cast as Charles Manson in something else. Yeah. Um, um, it's a television Netflix series, thing, isn't it? Uh, do, 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 yeah, Man- uh, in Mindhunter. He's Mind actually Hunter, in Mindhunter. So, yeah, he's been char- cast as Charles Manson there. He must be now the go-to person for Charles Manson. Mm. I mean, how could he not? Um, he doesn't actually get to do much in this film, though. That's the only problem. Which is, is no. what, Which I think is right, though. Yeah, for he, what you need, because he, he didn't. He was just this enigmatic guy who made people around him do what he wanted to. Yeah. Um, the picture of him looks—I can't work out who he looks like. He's also almost fifty. That guy, is he? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just—he's just shy of fifty, so he didn't look like it. But yeah, I honestly thought this was a really good thing, and also I thought it was so good that they use, as you said, all real-life people, mm. and it didn't feel like they just forced it in there. It was done with quite a delicate hand, which is what you expect from Tarantino in a way. Yeah. Because when it's forming dialogue, he can do that. Although, everyone talks about how gratuitous and things like that. This film as well, without spoiling too much, for the most part, isn't. <laughs> no, but it still felt very tarantino Yeah. But then again, you can look at... I don't know. I was trying to think of, trying to think of a Tarantino film that he did which wasn't that violent and I, I Jackie can't. Brown's probably the closest, but even... The, even that. I think I think that Jackie Brown is the closest to this sort of... Um, not pacing wise, but um, like ratio. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it, I, I think out of all of them, because mm. there is. I mean, yeah, Reservoir Dogs has obviously the, the well, bullet in the stomach, yeah, and then he consistent has consistent gore on set, and yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it is. It's consistent. I mean, Hateful Eight to a degree. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. I think really what this shows up to a point is that he can do. He can do films without relying yeah, on those bits. Yeah, but he doesn't bits. want to. But he doesn't need to, and that's what <laughs> yeah. I think this gets into. Um, as I said, it, right now, before we get into spoilers, if you haven't seen it, 
you should go see it. Yeah, this is the 100%. film in the cinema right now that you need to make sure you see before it disappears off. Because yeah. for some reason, it didn't open at number one either, I don't think, in the UK. Better than Hobson Shaw. Okay, yeah, it's better than Hobson Shaw. We, we, obviously, it's better than Hobson Shaw. But different films. <laughs> if you want something that you don't have to think and it's stupid, go see Hobson Shaw instead yeah. of this. Well, yeah. <laughs> you yes. go. Actually, you, go, you argue, go see this every time. <laughs> and I can't argue that too much. So, should we dive into spoilers? Yes, let's get on with it. So, spoilers bits that we haven't put into the actual review so uh, about the the plot um the dark history behind brad pitt mm. did he did he not kill his wife on a yacht yeah with a harpoon gun you never even you never get an answer to that never get an answer to that i mean there's that brilliant flashback scene yeah where he, it looks like it might be he did it or he didn't do it or she just got lost at sea mm. it's very clear he was married mm. they were together on a boat when he came back on the boat, I think it's very much aware that it was only him who yeah. came back on the boat. But did he kill her, or was she, because she was drunk at the time, did something bad happen? Mm. I thought it was interesting that in that scene, he doesn't have the scar up his arm. So he's got this wonderful scar oh, up his arm. Not in that scene. Not in that scene. But then, obviously, after oh. he does, so it is the idea that potentially mm. she went in, he went to get it, propeller. I'm really into it too much, but I like the idea that he didn't do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, he seems too harmless to... He does, but the way that he's trained his dog, oh there's a there's a clinical nature to him. Oh my thing. god, he's, um, he's so good. Bruce Lee, we didn't mention. Yeah, we're going to Bruce Lee in a second, I think. Okay, so, I mean, we might go to Bruce Lee now if you want to. I think chronologically, that's the first spoiler, but not spoiler. But yeah, I mean, there's um, a scene where obviously Roman Polanski come back and um, Sharon Tate enter for the first time. Mm. I really liked how they redid that scene later in the film. So obviously they come in, there's all the photographers oh, yeah, everywhere yeah, doing yeah. this. I thought that was a really well shot as they came in. It felt very... I thought it was really nice to see how airports worked back in the 50s. Like the the, the late, 50, uh, late 60s, this is. It's completely different to now. The fact you can just walk through, it doesn't matter who's there. It's the way that we tightened up and it's such an open... And it is such a elite sort of way of travelling. And then when it later it comes in with him and Francesca, his, his Italian wife, come back and there's no paparazzi there, yeah. but it's exactly the same shots with no one else around. Yeah, him. and him, like, Brad Pitt pushing there. Yeah, in the white suit, <laughs> like the white denim jacket. And, oh, it's, it's really good. Um, that was good. That, so move on to Bruce Lee, because there's a lot of controversy around this Bruce Lee thing. Yeah, his daughter. Daughter Steph yeah. came and uh, complained about it. Because, well... Brad Pitt fights Bruce Lee and it's great. It is. It's such a great scene. And they complain like, oh, it's, it's not a fair racist representation. And... It's racist. But it's, again, it's the same with everyone. Everyone was caricatured. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be real. The idea, though, is that these people are being put in there and it's almost a representation through their eyes yeah. on how things are. So everything's going to be over the top. Um I mean, a good example of this is in TV, for example, is How I Met Your Mother, where Ted is with all these really hot women, mm. but in reality, they probably weren't. It's just because he's telling the story through his eyes. So it's, it's the narrator's own deception. Yeah, you have and the, this, the, the, yeah, the, the lens of the narrator. Yeah, and, and this one isn't us watching. This is a memory flashback yeah. scene. So it's seen in a completely different way to the rest of the film. Um, this is where we meet Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Leonardo DiCaprio has asked Kurt Russell to let Brad Pitt onto the set. Yeah. He won't work with it because his wife works with him and they don't... The well, wife... No, his wife... His wife believes that... Yeah, no, yeah. that's me. His oh, wife sorry, works I with thought it. you meant his wife worked with yeah, Brad his, Pitt. Yeah, yeah um, Kurt Russell's wife, which is Zoe Bell, um, 
work together as the coordinators and she believes that Brad Pitt has killed his wife yeah. and thinks he's a bad influence on set. Which, uh, to be fair, he is. But by the end of this scene, we realise he is. He has... So Bruce, he does get on eventually. Basically, um, DiCaprio talks his way into it. And he's dressed up, ready for a scene. And Bruce Lee is doing this whole... You can't do this. I could take Mike... T- uh, is it Mike Tyson? No, it's not. It's um, Cassius Clay. Yeah. Cassius Clay. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, I could take him in a fight. It's Cassius. Cassius Clay is Muhammad yeah, Ali, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he yeah. Is. I could take him in a fight. Um, da-da. He's so fascinating, but I could avoid it and just work his face against him. Da-da-da. And Brad Pitt laughs at him. Yeah. And he's like, well, you don't believe I could do this? And he's like, no, you'd be a stain on his shorts yeah. before he is. And he laughs. And they literally, they go into a fight. Bruce Lee comes in, fly kicks, like kicks him in the chest, and Brad Pitt, so it's best like two out of three. They go, no face shots, that sort of thing. And it's that second one, he goes, yeah, do it again. And he goes for it, and he literally throws him into a car, and then they get into an actual fight, at mm. which point Zoe Bell shows up, and literally goes, what are you doing? He can't do this. He's this new star, because it's the new star, I think, which yeah. he's meant to be there. And he goes, oh, nothing happened. He he, he wasn't beating me. I, he could never beat me, says Bruce Lee. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, the dent in that car would prove to be different, which happens to be Zoe Bell's car. Yeah. It was such a well-contained scene. I knew that. In, the instant that car was dead, so I was like, oh, oh. someone's... <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, though, isn't it? It's so well thought out. I, yeah, it may not be the most honest portrayal of Bruce Lee, but it's not meant to be. No. Um, and I don't want to get into the whole thing about... Uh, she basically told him, President uh, Tony, he needs to learn to shut up and but it's just also, it's so, and apologise. It's, it's awful. It, it not awful. It it seems so silly that it's got to this where they're complaining about Bruce Lee's portrayal in this film when it's so clear that Kill Bill was so heavily influenced by yeah. Bruce Lee and in, it was done in. But I don't. And the thing is, this I don't think was. Oh, oh, look how crap Bruce Lee was. It wasn't meant to be no, that. I don't, think, I don't think it's a derogatory thing to him at all. I think it's very much this. Bruce Lee was meant to be such a quiet guy, and that's what they. It was just. It's meant to be like a caricature, as we said, um, and it's not meant to be directed at him particularly. It was to do with the idea of what martial arts had just made their way essentially across to the hmm. US. At this point, it was the idea that the old guard is still unwilling to stand down to what the new wave change is. And that's what this whole mm. thing was meant to be. But I, I didn't see a problem. I, I didn't see a problem with it. But yeah, it, it has caused controversy. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a great part of the scene. Uh, we also obviously haven't talked much about um, the Manson family in general. Manson family seems good. Where he meets Bruce Dern and Dakota Fanning. Mm. It's so horrendous and she's in such a small scene such a small scene and she's just she's just a disgusting human really isn't mm. she like one of these in the hippie compounds and it was really interesting to see how it was because it was Keris and I suppose Emma both love both love serial killers I think that's the wrong way to put it but they're both intrigued and take a lot of interest yeah. in them um, yeah so Keris has been listening to a load of things and reading a lot of things because she does. And she really found it interesting the sort of the way that they put this together because it's very much the way of what it was. So Charles Manson, if you don't know, uh, basically led a cult. Um, he was it was the Manson family. Basically, he brought people in like young drifters, as we said, they were mm. throwing off their chains. They were doing things. They were trying to find their, And he would talk to people and the vulnerable women 
normally women just to bring them back to the community. So there's a lot of young women, a lot yeah. of single women, yeah. small families, bring them in. And he'd say, I've got some of you to stay. We've got some food. You do that. Basically, he would also whore out these women to make money. Part of the initiation was that they had to basically suck him off. Or if they said no, then they weren't joining the family. Mm. So he automatically had this level of control in. He'd bring guys in and let them do what they wanted to with the women. It was very controlling. And... He also wants to make it as a music producer. He wants to make it as a musician. He also wants yeah. to make it as an actor. Yeah. And well, the the musician thing is what what led to. Yeah. So basically, he got turned down by a record label, didn't he? Mm. Um, and he didn't know where the record guy lived now. So he said to go to told people to go to the house where the record producer was and kill all those. Well, there. no, it was because he thought that was where he still lived, wasn't it? No, because in the film he checks it out first. Yeah, but I don't think that's true. Do you not think? I think it was. Oh, was it? I thought that it was that he did. He genuinely did, he thought he was killing the people who lived there. See, I thought that was. I thought. I. I thought this was why. But basically, he tells them to go to this house, mm. kill everyone there, and that's where he kills um, Sharon Tate, who's pregnant at the time. Yeah. Everyone else is there, and he got convicted of. Um, he got convicted of uh, multiple homicide, didn't he? Mm. Um, even though he wasn't the one who held the blade, because he convinced the others to do mm. it. The interesting thing with this is the people who go there. So we're going to talk about the end now because I just feel like yeah, yeah. obviously other scenes. Um, it gets to the point where they're back from Italy. They've moved in. They live next door. No, I didn't mention this. They live next door, obviously, to the Polanskis. Um, uh, this is Dalton. Um, they're there, and basically the family come to do the killing. It's the same night. It's like August 9th, I believe mm-hmm. it is. Um, they go there to do the killing, and they go to Rick Dalton's house instead. And well, then he, he comes out. They oh yeah, they drive up, up first, and that so yeah. And then he starts having a pop at them because he hates hippies. The whole film, he's been banging on about how much he hates, he hates hippies. hippies. Yeah, and he ends up um, like shouting at them, getting them to move. As they go away, they they park up around the corner, decide to walk up, but then they realise who it was. Yeah, and they decide they're going to kill him as well. Uma Thurman's daughter's in this scene as yes, well. Yes, she is, and she runs away. Yeah, she does. She runs away, takes the car, yeah. and leaves him. Um, and they decide they're going to do it anyway. And they go to Rick Dalton's house instead of going to where they were mm. meant to, because they think, why not? The same thing. We're going to just take the people who've. Insp- That's the scene in here, isn't it? It's like, well, these people have all inspired us to do violence, so shouldn't we be doing violence yeah. to them to stop this from happening again? It's almost a nod back to the yeah. the Sandy Hook comments that were made against him. And they go into there and they find Brad Pitt. So Francesca is asleep um, in bed. Leonardo DiCaprio's character is uh, Rick Dalton is in the pool with headphones on, yeah, singing, drunk. <laughs> Brad Pitt's character has just come back after walking his dog after smoking an acid-soaked cigarette. Yes, he's off his tits. Off his tits. The person he buys the acid-soaked cigarette from is the same girl as Uma, as Kill Bill's the, the daughter of the bride. That's the same actress, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And a nice little nod, wasn't it? Um, but basically, he's there. He stood there with a can of dog food. They've broken in with text. And he recognises the guy. Because yeah. um, he's already been to the Manson compound mm. with uh, Pussycat. Um, where he <laughs> beat the hell out of that hippie mm. for stabbing his tyre and made him change the tyre for mm. everyone. Um, but he recognises him. He's coming with a gun. Another girl comes in through the back door. Another one comes in as well. And then it goes into a Tarantino scene. It's literally yeah. the last 15, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. 
up to now, no real. There's one, yeah, literally one punch where he punches the guy in the face like two, three times, bit of blood. But you wouldn't. No, not really. There's not really any blood. You would. Other than that. I mean, you you'd expect that of any film, really. Yeah. Not not in any film, obviously. Not expecting it in Frozen, like Olaf just beats the living <laughs> shit out of someone. But it's 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 one of those things which you wouldn't blink at. I suppose it's yeah. one of those things where you just expect yeah. it in, in modern movie making. And it was just great. And then Carnage breaks out. He. Yeah. The dog jumps, breaks, tech, uh, bites Tech's arm. He so turns around. Gun gets dropped. Gun gets dropped. He throws the can full pelt oh, into one of the girls' faces. So, so crunches, good. and she just falls to the ground. Um, then fist fights the other one. Fist fights the other one. Beats her head in on the mantelpiece or on the counter. Ends up getting stabbed in the process. Gets stabbed in the process. It's a whole fight, and then one of the girls has been savaged by the dog. Mm. Beat. She's also saying one who had the can in the face. Runs out into the pool. Dalton has got a gun at this point. He's got a gun, falls into the pool. Dalton sees it, panics, runs off to his tool shed. And well, no, pu- he, he, it's not even panic. He sees it, he's, it? and he's panicking. He's like, fuck, she's firing a gun. Yeah. He he swims out to the side of the pool, realises he's in no danger because she can't see, see anything. And he literally looks at her for a couple of seconds goes, and then really calmly just walks away into goes, his shed and comes back. With his flamethrower from the film that he they've mentioned at the very beginning, yeah. he's brought the the thing back with him, and then burns her alive in the swimming pool. Mm. <laughs> well, what happened a... to the hippies? Well, I toasted one of them. Yeah, toasted. Yeah, yeah flamethrower. <laughs> from from, I think was, but like literally, they kill all three of these intruders, and then. The police show up. Cliff Booth gets taken off to the yeah. hospital. They explain what's happened there. Um, the situation where he's like, uh, so what did he say? And Brad, Brad well, yeah, like, what's his oh, name? Like, oh, that bit, yeah, where he comes in and he goes, hey, I know you. He goes, ah, oh, I'm the devil and I'm going to do the devil's work. He goes, no, 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 it was stupider than that. Um, something like Rex? Tex? Yeah, that's it. That's Tex. Tex is who it was. It's like that, ah, oh, that whole scene. And then Genius. when he's retelling yeah. it again, he goes, Oh, he says something like, I'm the devil and shit, or that's yeah, like, I, I mean, that's, that's the devil shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not verbatim. <laughs> it's just that sort of throwaway line. But it gets to the end. They've, although they're meant to be separating because Cliff Booth mm. doesn't, can't afford to keep, mm. uh, no, uh, Rick doesn't can't afford to keep Cliff Booth around. Yeah. And he's going to catch up with him in the, in the hospital later. He then sees the Polanskis because he's not met them. And then he gets to go up and meet Sharon Tate and all that yeah. and the film ends with him just talking with those yeah. friendly that's sort of where I thought oh they've rewritten history Rick Dalton is now potentially going to revitalise mm. his career with Roman Polanski but Keris made a very interesting point mm. the people that they killed who did it in the house weren't the same people who killed Sharon Tate mm. so is it in this timeline the first group went it didn't work and he sends the same group the actual group who could succeed mm. later that night and Rick Dalton dies in that one Cliff Booth is left alive yeah and then we've got a whole revenge got a whole revenge to her who sort knows? of potentially laid up at the end but so good so good that is it's really, it's a real yeah. interesting way of doing it and I gotta be honest I like a nice dialogue driven and this is so cleverly written mm. but at no point do you feel like oh this is lulling there's not enough action or tension there's always so something ex- around I'm so excited for a four-hour cut of it, which I, oh. I never thought I'd say about any film ever. Oh, yeah. If four hours coming to Netflix, full on. I'm I'm going to put it on and I'm not going to be <laughs> getting up, moving around. It's going to be literally locked in. This is it. <laughs> it's, it's strange to me. I came out of this because I'd seen a lot of reviews and they said it's really good, but it's not his best work and da-da-da. And I could argue that it is one of his top films easily. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it's one of the be- it's the best written film so far this year that I've seen. That I can think of. You might oh, argue yeah. that Endgame's up there. <laughs> oh no! But um, I honestly think it's pure cinematic situation. It is so good. Yeah, really, really so good. I, I, I can, I, I can't think of a fault with the film. I'm sure you listening might have thought, "Oh, this is actually yeah." I don't know. I had a problem with this. I had a problem with that, and I'd love to hear it because. I'm not going to argue. I don't want to sit there and argue. I'm quite happy to converse about it, but I just want to see what other people thought of this mm. film in a bit more of an honest mm. reaction. Because I think a lot of people critique films for the sake of critiquing rather than did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Why did you enjoy it? Or oh, I didn't enjoy it because I felt like um, on this frame he um, used this as the focal point when really it should be. Nah, I'm not doing that. Mm. If you like the film, just just let us know, and that's what we want to do. We want to we want an open conversation where we can on films. Because yeah. that's what we'd rather do. So I suppose that sort of brings us towards the end of the episode. Unless you have anything else you want to say about it. Actually, what is your rating for, for this film? Yeah. Because we haven't done a rating for this one yet. Uh, I would I would give it five pit bulls. <laughs> five pit bulls? Mm. Well, hotel, motel. <laughs> <laughs> Holiday Inn. Um, uh, I would give this... Oh, I, it's, hard, it's hard to think of a... It's, I'll give this a full Manson family. Yeah, all, I'll give it a full five. Yeah, it's, this is a this is a five star film mm, without a shadow 100%. of a doubt. Without 100%. a shadow of a doubt. Cool. So yeah, that brings us to an end yeah. of yet another episode. Um, like, thank you for joining in us again. I know it's a long one again. I mean, I think they're going to be long, but listen to as much as you want to. Listen to as little. Hopefully, these time codes will help you jump around to where you need yeah. them to be. I think this will be our longest one for a while. To be fair, it's. Yeah, I think I think Tarantino is one of those guys that we both have a lot. To we say. have a lot to say about him, and the good thing is because he's, I suppose, if you look at other ones who have got such a long history, and we're looking at little mm. instances, we're trying to get to them, so we overskirt it. Whilst he's got ten films, about well, nine films over the course of really twenty-five years, mm. and he's got a lot of controversy around him as well. So yeah, um, always um, you can check us out on our socials, um, which is Old New Borrowed Who Pod or O N B W Pod. Yeah. Which is on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Yep. You can also catch cat, 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 cat. You can do all of that. <laughs> you, can, you can do all of those noises. You can catch us over on our Gmail as well if you've got any questions. And that's oldnewborrow2 at gmail.com. Always check us out on Spotify, Podbean, or Apple, Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcast. I think our next barrier we'll try and break through is Google, but they're hard to get onto whilst we're in the UK, so we'll have to look at yeah. how to get get around we'll that. Out. So at the moment, check us out on those. Um, you can catch us on our own socials. You can catch Josh over at... Joshua J-A-X-3. And <laughs> you can catch me at who underscore tin um, on Fabulous. Twitter and Instagram. Uh, not, not much else, but obviously, if you like the episode, please do share, let us know. And review honestly. I, I'm not going to be, oh, give us five stars. I don't really care. Mm. We're going to keep doing it because we enjoy it. I'd just rather people were honest and gave us feedback so we can make these yeah, better episodes. Criticism. Much appreciated. If Definitely. Um, so I guess that leads us to our guess. I guess who? Guess who's. So next week, it's falling on you, Josh, to write the report. It is. It is. Have you got any sugar crumb morsels? Sugar crumb morsels. Um, I mean, we should aim for at least seven of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, the the actual task of writing is, is going to be quite unforgiving, um, I think. 
Would it? Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. You yeah. Think? Getting getting away with the. Uh, to be honest, he's, he's one of those writing. actors. Ah, oh, I'm giving a bit away there, but he's one of those actors that I've always wanted to talk about and review his films. It's been one of those things on my bucket list for a long time. <laughs> And I'm glad we're going to get around it. I mean, bucket list for this podcast. I mean, I haven't just got a bucket list <laughs> of those. Um, he, he's, had a, he's had a deep impact on my um, film career, like what I really enjoy watching. So I think that's good. And, I've, and as I said, I've wanted to talk about him for a yeah, long time. He is the almighty. <laughs> is that, that, that going to be your contribution <laughs> there? <laughs> I'm literally just seeing what else I can throw in um, for those because... My mind's gone blank. It feels like I'm sinking into oblivion, trying to work out what more I could do. I don't know. Uh, Press the red button to find out more. <laughs> is that is that what you're going to go with? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a fair fair never a fair number of them. Fair, fair number, number of, of them. them. Yeah. So that if you haven't got them from there, I do apologise. Um, I was trying to see if I can get another another one thrown in there, but I literally cannot. Oh, I didn't know he was in that. Go on, try uh, no. to redeem yourself. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, that's, that's going to be it. We're stopping. Um, that's us, baby. We're gone. We are Baby, we're here. gone. As always. <laughs> As always, I've been Josh. And I've been Josh. <laughs> um, and we've been Josh. Bye. Fairly well. <laughs>